Friday, March the 10th, 2023. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of That's What G Said Podcast. As you can tell, I just have this lingering cold for months now at a time. Every time it feels like it's it's gone, it comes back, doing everything we can. So I'll try to uh, keep this one a little brief so I'm not rambling on with uh, the, uh, the annoying sounding voice. But we do have a fun show with a couple already recorded interviews, NBA with Eric. We talked all about everything going on in the world of NBA. And then in this week in wrestling, Chad Cooper joined us to talk about AEW Dynamite coming off their Revolution pay-per-view. Talked about... Um, WWE with Raw, with SmackDown, on the road to WrestleMania, and then into NXT. Then we get into Friday and Saturday racing. We'll get you some Gulfstream Park. We'll get you some Santa Anita for Friday. We'll get you some Tampa Bay Downs for Saturday, Gulfstream for Saturday, and then Santa Anita Best Bets for Saturday. All on this episode of That's What G Said. That's presented by BetterThan.Vegas at BTV Bets. Go give them a follow right now on Twitter. They have a ton of content over there, and it's all free. Everything is free at BTV. They just want to help you become a better, better. I host a lot of shows over there for them. Eric, who you're going to hear in just a minute, is a big part of BTV Bets as well. And now we get into some NBA with Eric. We take a look around the NBA standings over the last week. Who's been hot? Who's not? What's happening in the world of NBA with Eric? NBA! Who's hot? Who's not? Who's hot? Who's hot? It's time to talk another week of NBA basketball. We're here with Eric from ETOF21 Sports. Buddy, how's it going, my friend? Uh, how's everything been the last week or so for you? Uh, you know, pretty good. A lot of basketball action going on. And uh, playoffs are right around the corner. Um, you know, some interesting news happening around the league. And, uh, you know, looking forward to talking to it. Let's start like we uh, generally do over in the East, and we can kind of roll from the top down and, and see how things are going with uh, a lot of the uh, the teams in the playoff picture. So your Bucks, man, they're playing some good basketball right now. They're 18-1 and one in their last 19. For those of you listening, we're recording this on Wednesday night. So if we're off by like a game or two in the standings and maybe you're listening on Thursday or later in the week, just keep in mind we're recording Wednesday night as some of these games are actually being played. The So 18-1 and one in their last 19. They're in their last 15 games. They have the number one defensive rating. And honestly, Eric, it's not like it's rocket science for them. They're just finally close to all the way healthy with a full squad. They're the team to beat. Cause I, I think we can ask the question repeatedly who can stop Giannis anywhere, but in particularly in the East, I, I think the only guy in the entire league in a series, if they were healthy, who could have a good time, with Giannis going against them would be Anthony Davis at peak defense. Cause I think they both have sort of similar body types. They're long, they can, they're quick, but they're not just bigs. I don't think there's anyone in the East that could shut him down or slow him down. Even someone like Embiid, Giannis is too fast for him. Right. So healthy, healthy bucks, healthy Giannis. This is the team to beat, right? Yeah. I mean, their defense has been lights out. Obviously number one, number one, last 15 games. I really think, you know, getting Crowder means, yes, less um, Allen on the court during crunch situations. And Middleton's slowly starting to mix back into the groove. And they're just kind of getting everyone healthy. And everyone's everyone's kind of just kind of built into the program. I mean, yeah. everyone knows what they're doing. Everyone's know the roles. The no, you know, nothing surprising, play. right? It's not like like, it's not like, when, like we need to remember that. He's he has, still... He's still working slowly and surely back. And he, that guy's a playoff playoff warrior. 
You know, he can he can do some of the dirty things. They got Portis who can do some of the dirty things. Javon Carter playing him, he'll pick you up full court. He don't care. Uh, yeah, if they can stay healthy, which is obviously a big if, that's that's going to be big for them. Obviously, they're in the driver's seat for the one, and it's kind of a little bit shocking just because I really think they really don't care about having the one. <laughs> I think like, you, nearly as much as Boston. Like for a team like Milwaukee, they just want to be healthy come playoff time. I don't think they care as much about needing like a game seven against Boston on their court, even though we've seen last year what can happen, right? You want to have that home game, but Milwaukee lost last year, not because I mean, of home or away. They had a game at home. They should have won. Yeah, it, it, it was exactly. They had a game at home to put them away last year. It wasn't home away. It was, they just didn't have enough. Yeah. They just didn't quite have enough. Plain and simple. What it is. Um, yep. I will say now this. You're three games up in the loss column on Boston. Yeah, three games up, which is huge. I love Giannis. I'm the biggest Giannis homer in the world, but I, I'm, I'm always from the mindset you never poke the bear. And I don't know if you saw that interview he did with uh, about he, Jokic, not about Jokic, Durant. About, yeah, yeah. Where he said, Come work out with me, and I'll show you how to carry your own team. I'm like, Dude. yeah. You know, I, though, you know, it's like, eh, like it's funny. I knew I was watching that, and I was like, this is gonna bother eh, me. I saw yeah, when I was saw when I saw I, that. I knew it was going to bother you a little bit. Why too. are you saying that? Just, you know what I mean? Like, and then, I mean, you. and then right after they showed that he said, no, I can't say that anymore. Kevin Durant, I love you. You're awesome. Please don't take, you know I mean? And he was having a good time with it, but you're right. It is. That's one of those things where you knew, you knew they were going to take that sound bite and yeah. frame it the way they did. And yeah. then, and then also I knew I, I had to give you crap for, uh, for Giannis going for the Ricky Davis triple trouble the other day at the end of that game when they were, when he just goes and gets the rebound. And then, and uh, he even said after the game, yeah, I kind of stole one. And then they, they took, they took it away from him afterwards. But that's just one of those things where I, I wonder if, because uh, like, we're all human. And like, if you're Giannis, like you look around and, you know, Jokic has been the back-to-back MVP. Now maybe you're going to get another Jokic MVP and he has the triple-double average and you probably, and you just start, to, those things get in your head a little bit, right? We're just, we're all human and you're like, yeah, give me a triple-double and just one of those things yeah, that. I was wondering, now I couldn't find it online because a lot of these are never published. Does he have like an incentive or if he gets like. Right. Like if he gets five or 10 or a certain yeah, amount. I, mean, like, I wondered yeah. that, but I couldn't find any of that online. Um, I know. Cause he's just, he's, he's above that. You know what I mean? Like he's, he's above that, but I mean, it's him and the one thing about like him and um, Jokic, they did, they weren't raised here. So like the way that they look at money is way different than the way. This is a great, great point. This is like, if it's like, even if it's like X amount of money and he gets a bonus, He's that's gonna a, do that. You I know, know what that, I like just because he pers- he looks at money co- way completely different than all of us do. So yep. no, you know maybe right. that's it. But I this team is just clicking. You know they've won it before. Um, you know just you know just the size of Portis and um, uh, Lopez is huge. Plus getting Crowder who can Crowder they have someone if they face the Suns that could give Durant a little problem, which I think some of these top topper teams are missing so yep you you just have more bodies to throw at guys now and options you know what i mean like it's just you're a little more versatile now and it's um 
it, it doesn't have to be Giannis picking up Durant and then trying to run the offense also, right? Like that would be hard. Giannis can, you know, spot play the other team's best player instead and pick them up in, in, you know, big possessions here and there, but not necessarily the whole game. And when yeah. you compare the top two teams in the East, they couldn't feel more different right now where Milwaukee feels like they're really coming together. They're clicking their defense is firing. They're getting healthier. And for Boston, it's sort of the opposite. They can't seem to get any, well, first off, they need Robert Williams to be the best version of themselves. When they don't have Robert Williams like every other game, well, all of a sudden, they're a lot less deep. They don't have that big defensive presence in the paint. They're easier to score on. Even when they can play, you know, Tatum and Brown and smart and good defensive players, if you don't have Robert Williams there, you don't have a shot blocker. You don't have a paint protector. You don't have a presence that's going to scare people from driving in the lane. We saw that. The other day, Boston's last few games, they've lost three in a row and they've lost four out of five. They've blown leads in all of them. They were up 28 against the Nets and they lost in the biggest comeback of the year. So in the last two weeks, we've seen the Lakers come from down 27 against the Mavs and the Nets come from down 28 against the, the Celtics and come back to win. Then the, the Celtics were up by 13 in the third quarter playing the Knicks without Brunson. They lost that game. Then, in a game where Tatum wasn't playing and they had a couple guys out, Horford, I was out too, but they were still up double digits with seven minutes left to go in the game against the Cavs. They lost that game. They've blown at least double-digit point leads in all three of their last losses, losing to three Western Conference playoff teams that they would all have to see, and their defense has not been fantastic one thing that's weird, they've played four overtime games in their last nine games. Four of their last nine games have gone to overtime. That's bizarre for that many games to go to overtime. Like that frequently, they played a double overtime game too. They've actually had six of their last 17 games go to overtime, which is just sort of nuts. Like they can't close teams out, Eric. They can't put anyone away. You have to be able to close in this league. Um, you know, the ball from the, the limited stuff I've kind of watched has been sticking. We've talked about that before. Not that and this is what they did at the beginning of last year, right? Yeah. Before they started to play really well and everything got moving. This is where, what was their problem where it was, you go, I go, ISO, ISO. Yeah. Um, and I mean, there's this, they bench Grant Williams cause he's bitching too much. Excuse yeah, me. and the whole, the rest of the team doesn't like him either. The rest of the team, like I know for a fact, doesn't like him. Um, they just he, he they're wants built to challenge to Grant Williams every single play. He thinks it's he thinks it's not a foul yeah. every time. Every time he throws up his hand and he's doing the hey coach, take a look at that. And the and like his whole roster, you see them. They all start rolling their eyes. Like they're like Grant, you you just destroyed. Like MB, what are you talking about? You hit him right in the face. Like, shut up. It's it's a foul. Nobody's reviewing that, Grant. Yeah, it's it's just a nightmare with him. And um, you know, he he caught fire in the Eastern Conference Finals last year against the um against the Bucks, you know, made some threes, shot a little bit above his head. Uh this year obviously he's not shooting as good, but I just think that 
this team, like you said, without Robert Williams is missing something Horford a year older. And if this team doesn't win it this year, they're going to have to seriously contemplate moving a Brown just because I don't think you can win it. You've kind of shown you really can't win with both of them. Jalen Brown, you know, he's made some great improvements, you know, in terms of playing and everything, but Jesus, like, it's just, if you don't win now, you're going to have to seriously give this roster a facelift and pick one of those guys to lead you probably Tatum, but you're going to have to flip them and, and get some more, more players that work with them. Cause last year was the year where Milwaukee was hurt. A lot of crazy stuff going on with the nets and the 76ers. It, that everything fell perfectly for them last year. Just perfectly. It was couldn't have gone easier for them. The way that they ran into Miami, and Miami was banged up. They ran into Milwaukee. Milwaukee was banged up. Every team they caught, they caught them at their best. And like you said, you get some of your role players that are playing awesome. Grant Williams was just incredible through that stretch. Now, do you trust like Grant Williams and Al Horford this year to be as good as they were last year? I don't. They no, were no, pretty no. damn good in the in the playoffs and you always point out Horford's a year older and this team they got to be a little careful because they they're playing Portland tonight as you and I are talking they were up as pretty big as I saw but then following that they go on they go on a six game road trip and they're only one game up on Philly right now in in the three spot you know Philly is now one three in a row they beat Milwaukee to snap that win streak and Bede scored 22 points in the third quarter on Tuesday. He just ate Rudy Gobert for lunch yesterday. Oh my God. You could tell that he was a little extra motivated with Gobert in there because everybody talks about how good of a defender Gobert is. And man, MB just, Gobert could do nothing. Like he had yeah. no answer for Embiid yesterday. So, I mean, they're, they're playing some good basketball right now, you know, and you've, you've pointed this out a lot throughout the year. You're not an Embiid fan. You're not a Harden fan. You're not a Doc fan. But you have even given them credit throughout the year. They just they pl- they're they're a little bit better as a team overall. They seem like they got a few extra pieces, and and Joel does seem a little bit more motivated this year for whatever reason. As sort of like it in not to talk as much as to do it on the court to let his play speak for him. Yeah, do it. the The concern with <clears throat> excuse me, geez, the concern with them is this: is a can Harden and Embiid hold up in a deep series with a physical team? Yep. That is the number one concern with them. Number two, what is the level we're going to get with Maxi? Um, how, how is he going to be able to fend off as be their three guy? And what Tobias Harris is going to show up? I mean, those are basically the questions with the 76ers. You like forget about Tobias Harris. You know what I mean? Like you, like you forget that he's on that team and it's not because he's bad. He's just such a quiet player and like, so nondescript and they did overpay for him. Like he shouldn't be making as much money as he's made, but this is a guy who can absolutely still be like, be a big weapon. If teams want to take out Embiid and teams want to take out Harden, like there's no reason why in a series Tobias Harris can't average 20 plus points a game for you. He just, just can he do that? Like, you know, d- will he do that is the question. Yeah. And that is the million dollar question. <laughs> so. It is. Yeah. And, and they're in the three spot right now. They are um, ahead of the Cavs who are in the four spot. 
Cavs are two games up on the Knicks. So it looks like four or five right now would be Cavs Knicks. Knicks playing some, uh, Mobley's playing a lot better now for the Cavs too. And for the Knicks, they've won nine of 10. They did just have a bad loss to Charlotte, but that was without Brunson. And you know what? Charlotte's actually been playing okay recently. You know, what's funny about Charlotte, when you look at some of their metrics with, um, with LaMelo out, they're obviously not as good of a team overall, but this sort of happens with Memphis too. Like Charlotte's just a better defensive team though. Like defensively, they're waiting. And the ball moves a lot more too. Exactly. And the same thing happens with Memphis. Like Jaw obviously is going to help their offense, but Memphis is a better defensive team without Jaw on the court. You know? Um, So it's not as if they're like a a miserable team, but um, Knicks at the five spot and they had a a fun win against uh, the Celtics. They beat the Celtics three out of four. Knicks are playing well. I mean, Brunson is just, I mean, the, how this guy has taken off. Like I, I looked at this guy when he was at Villanova as Andre Miller. Like yeah. I was like, this guy's Andre Miller, you know, he's going to be in the league 20 years, just be a reliable bet, start, but never be a star. And this guy's legitimately playing at an all-star level. You know, he's playing, he's playing at a phenomenal, phenomenal level. Um, You know, I was really disappointed. I'll, I'll use that term. I thought that RJ Barrett would have took it a big step forward. I haven't really seen it. Seen it, uh, Grimes shooting the ball well, got Mitchell Robinson back. And I really think that's kind of been the key ever since he came back. Their interior defense has been a lot better. And you still yeah. have to be able to protect the paint. So, yeah, it's going to be an interesting team to, uh, you know, come playoff time, what happens with them. And it was great um, in watching some of the postgame confer- uh, comments last night. So they, they lost to Charlotte. And after the game, um, some of the reporters asked Josh Hart, you know, are you guys, what, you know, what, you know, what happened? Were you guys fatigued? Were you tired, run down? And he said, honestly, people in this world have to get up at five in the morning and go dig ditches for 12 hours, work double shifts to pay for their family, just to pay their bills. Those people are tired. We get to play basketball for a living. I'm never going to use tired as an excuse. It's like, I love that. I was like, what a great answer. And like, God, like if you're a fan, you're like, man, I love that. And and anyone that says God athletes are are these entitled people that you listen to a comment like that and you go, well, no, they're not. This guy understands what he has. Jared Vanderbilt had a very similar type answer um, the other day. He's like, you know, yeah, because Darvin Han said the same thing. We have like two or three hours a day that you need to really focus. You're telling yeah. me th- when you come for the game for two or three hours, you can't just lock in and give 100% energy and then go do whatever the hell you want the other 20 hours of the day. Exactly. Like, exactly. And you, you can just feel like a good energy there with the Knicks. There's just, they're building yeah, something yeah. good. Tibbs is wanted hard forever. Like yep. he, he's love, love that guy. And him and Brunson are familiar with each other. Um, I, they are capped though. I mean, yeah. the team is probably going to make, you know, second game, second round is they're probably ceiling of the playoffs. Yeah, I agree. Uh, you know, everybody sort of figured Brooklyn was going to f- start to drop. And now they, they lost four in a row when we had talked last week. And now all of a sudden they've won three in a row and they had the biggest comeback of the year against Boston down 28. Um, it's really all about bridges and the level that he's raised his game. I saw somebody posting about this yesterday and they said it reminded them of when Harden got traded from Oklahoma city. And just that, 
you knew because I think people forget when Harden was in Oklahoma City, he was a really good defender. Do you remember when he would like yeah. he would try on the defensive like on the defensive side? It's you know why I specifically remember because when he would match up against the Lakers, he would play some of the best defense against Kobe of anybody in the whole league. Mm-hmm. He like he thought it was like a big like a big honor to play defense against Kobe and Harden would come off the bench. He was their sixth man for OKC and he would light it up. He would close games for them. But a lot of times when Westbrook would have the ball and Durant would have the ball, Harden's job was to be like a defensive stopper. And it was pretty funny how, you know, his role flipped. He goes to Houston and now all of a sudden he's got the ball in his hands all the time. And he's like this super high usage player. And somebody pointed out how Bridges reminds him a little bit of that. And if you just sort of look at the numbers for Bridges in his time since coming to Brooklyn, nine games, he's averaging 26 plus points per game, six rebounds over three assists. He's shooting 53% from the field and 50 from the three point range. Um, And yeah, he had 30 points last night against the Rockets. So just seeing him take his game up a level, because you know what? There's a bunch of shots over there that somebody needs to take. Somebody's got to be the leader and initiate it. Yep. Um, he's playing lights out. I've always been a big Bridges guy. You got Cam Johnson that can extend the floor. You got Dimwitty who can break you down one-on-one. You still have Claxton there who, you know, is a liability on the three um, on the three throw line. But he can play defense and he can rebound. And you got Finney Smith who can play defense and rebound. So – I, tough team to get out, but again, you know what? What is this team at, at the cap? Second and, round of the playoffs, um, right? I, and coming up here, here, tell me what like which of these games are we sure that they're going to win? They play at Milwaukee, at Minnesota, at Denver, at Oklahoma City. That could be four losses in a row. Then they they have home games against Sacramento, Denver, Cavs, Cavs, and then at Miami. That's nine that's tough, games. That's a tough little slate. And that's, um, that's their next nine games. Like yeah. so there's not a whole lot of for sure wins that you'd circle on there for them. Um Miami's just behind them, Eric. Miami's two and a half games behind the Brooklyn Nets. So Miami is currently the seventh spot right now. Um and battling for the eight and nine, it's Toronto and Atlanta. Washington's in the 10 spot. So if it were to end and Miami were to win. They're the play in, they would get the seven spot. They'd get a series against Boston. You know, they almost beat Boston last year with a beat up team. I, and in listening to Bill Simmons, who's a big Boston guy, he gets a little scared of Miami with Jimmy Butler and this sort of like Jimmy Butler being the alpha dog there. And maybe Miami even being a, maybe being a better coach team. I, I just, I don't know what to do with this year's version of the Miami heat. Like they always feel like a team that, yeah, I wouldn't want to run into them in a dark alley, but I, I don't know how far they can really go either, right? Or I I don't know, like, I, I'm a little more scared of the team that you like, Eric, Toronto, than I, than of Miami. Yeah, I mean, Oladipo's hair miss coming off the bench. Struess has been banged up this year. Gabe Vincent is Gabe Vincent. Uh, hero, does he really do that much? Is he really the third member of the quote-unquote big three for them? And then you're signing Kevin Love, who can't play defense, who can't athletically keep up to play defense. You know what I mean? I just the pieces don't fit well. It seems like they're like there's like one or two connecting pieces that are missing there. Yeah, it's like 
one or two more guys that that would really help. I, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know positive, like what to think ever really with Atlanta right now, Atlanta, Toronto, Washington, they're separated by one game. Um, so those three spots, they're battling for the eight, nine, 10 spot. And that's, that's pretty important, Eric, because you know, the difference between the eight and the nine, if you're the eight, all you got to do is win one game. You have two chances to just win one to get yourself a series and you can, you know, probably stay away from Milwaukee. If you can get a chance to play Boston, I'd much rather run into a Boston team than a Milwaukee team. If you're nine, 10, then you put yourself in that spot where you've got to win twice just to get that eight spot and then go get a series with Milwaukee. So, you know, if you're Toronto right now, um, I, they got to, I think they want to really try to get into the eight line at the very least. Right. Cause then you just got to win once. Yeah. I mean, like, that's where that's the line you want to be on. You don't want to have to have that that extra game. Yep. And Toronto has the Clippers coming up on Wednesday night. Then they play the Lakers coming up. Uh, so two games in L.A. for them. Let's see if they can, uh, you know, they can string together a few wins. They always play the Lakers really well because they just they've got a bunch of long wings and they should match up pretty well with the Clippers also, um, which is uh, going to be a little bit later on this evening as Eric and I are recording. So Eric. Uh, anything else to mention on the East side before we flip over, talk a little West? Uh, just watch out for the Raptors, man. Yeah. Watch I, out for I, the I like them, man. Again, like if they got in, if they were the team that was able to win that seven, eight play in game and then play Boston man, you got, I think realistically, I think they're going to be able to get to the eight. Me too. I don't think yeah. they're going to be able to, um, well, I don't, and 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 it, at that point, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. I mean, because the only difference between the seven and the eight is just that home game for that game, yeah. and you know, so you know, the eight is still just winning one to get in. I like Toronto too, um, and you've been hyping them for the last few weeks. They're a feisty team. They're playing well. I think they're nine and four in their last thirteen games. Uh, let's see if they can make some noise. We flip over to the West, Eric and uh, Denver just continues to uh, run away and hide from everyone. They've won four in a row. They have a seven and a half game lead on the number two Sacramento Kings and the Grizzlies who are tied. I expect down the stretch, well, it's kind of funny because he's trying to win an MVP, but down the stretch, like you got to give Jokic a few games, right? You got to sit him in a couple of those games that just don't mean anything. Yeah, you have to. You have to kind of sit him down, let let his body be healthy because you have a team who's, lost last year because their two other top players were hurt. You can't afford and he to, had to do too much. Yep. For chase and stuff. You have a roster that's built. I think a roster that theoretically could win, could yeah. come out with the other stuff going on with these other squads. So yeah, I think you got to rest. I got to be, I think you got to be really selective and rest them. Cause you want to be healthy going into the, uh, into the dance. If, if you are just looking at Denver and comparing them to every other team in the West, they are the only team that you really don't have like a bunch of questions and concerns of right now. Like honestly, the only one, like you can go through every other team, Sacramento, they're brand new. We have no idea how they're going to respond to this. And their defense is a sieve Memphis. I mean, we could spend a whole podcast talking about some of the issues that Memphis has going on right now. We do, we know Jaw's going to be out for four more games. Phoenix is a brand new team. We don't really know how they're going to mesh and gel in a playoff series. And they're not very deep and they could get hurt. I mean, CP3, Durant, one of those guys gets hurt. 
they're in serious trouble. Dallas, same thing defensively. We have no idea what to expect from them in a series. They don't have any size down low at all. Golden State cannot win on the road. They're one of the worst road teams in the league. They've struggled. They're only two games over 500. Minnesota, we don't know if Cat's coming back or not. And even if he does, come playoff time, we've seen Gobert get played off the court. The Clippers have zero heart, no defense. The Lakers, we have no idea ever if LeBron's going to be healthy or if Anthony Davis is going to be healthy. The Pelicans were the number one seed like two months ago, and they have been one of the worst teams in basketball for like a two-month stretch. You can't trust anybody in the West except for Denver. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Like every team you start going through, you know, and like injuries can happen, crazy stuff can happen, but as, as we sit right now, they feel so much safer than everybody else as, you know, Sacramento's playing well, but Memphis is not, Eric, because Memphis is without Ja Morant. They were without Ja for their last two games. They lost to the Clippers and the Lakers. They're going to be without Ja for four more games. Now, the police investigated and found out that Ja won't. Did you see what happened to Durant? I'm sorry to interrupt. No, no. He rolled his ankle in the layup line. Are you kidding me? Wow. Because this, I don't know if you like it's Oh, I'm watching now. Yeah, I'm seeing it. Layup line injury. Oh my and it looks not good. Yeah. Oh wow. So that and that's what we're talking about. It's just one move like that, and now all of a sudden this team isn't as deep, Phoenix, right? I mean, they get they gave up a lot to get Durant, and you don't have a bench. Um wow. Like as we're talking, we see that. So, yeah, Phoenix is in the four spot. Sacramento's the two, and Memphis is the three. Some things, uh, like, let's go, like, individually. Sacramento, I mean, they're three and a half games up on the Suns now. Right now, the play-in winner would get them. I I think for all of us watching Sacramento, it's just going to be on a, hey, good year. You got to prove it to us, though, come playoff time, right? Can they oh, get stops? Sure. For sure. Because they, they have a different style. And, and when you run into them in the regular season, they play that like five out style, Eric, which is sort of hard for some teams defensively because not as many teams play that way. But when you play them in a series and you play them every game, you'll be able to adjust a little bit easier to what they're throwing at you versus in the middle of a year where it's like, oh, you play Sacramento and then you've got four teams that are way different. Then you play Sacramento again and then three teams that are way different it's a little bit harder to completely change your whole philosophy for one team. That's an outlier, you know, in a series, good coaching and good teams, they're going to be able to, to make some adjustments to Sacramento a little bit more. So I, you know, I think they're in a, a, a prove it stretch, but what do we, what do we think about Memphis right now and everything that's been going on there? So I got two stories to tell please in regards to Memphis. Number one, um, I, I was pretty good back in the day, way back when, when I played um, first game, you know, I snuck out after the game, um, snuck back in my place. My parents lived on a ranch. I, I one floor house snuck in through the door, through the window. I thought I was scot free. And <laughs> my, my old man was just sitting in the dark. Oh, that's so great. Oh, that's great. And, scared the shit out of me and he just said he what he said to me is he's like look he goes in life you're gonna have some windows open up for you that the people you're hanging out with 
aren't going to have open up and you don't want one decision that you make while you're young, change what happens in your life. Yeah. And I mean, that kind of hit really hard. He's like, look, I'm not, you're not going to be in trouble for this. You know, this is like your warning. I'm not going to tell you who to, who to hang out with, but you're going to have to start and kind of start thinking about this stuff for yourself. Yes. Um, my second one is when I graduated from college, I didn't know what to do. Like, I was like, where do I go? What do I do? Um, one guy out here in Chicago was like hiring to do, to work at his academy. And he hired me and one of my friends was playing for the bulls. And, um, you know, him and I, we, you know, he was a drinker. He, he, he could booze, he could throw him back. And, um, you know, back in, back in the day, I, I used to, I used to throw back some soda pops. Toss down a few. And, you know, he was like, yeah, just come out here live with me. I got a huge place, you know, plenty of room for you, whatever. So I moved out here, staying at this, this mansion was absolutely absurd. And, um, you know, we partied a little bit too hard, but it got to the point where I was like, I was, I told him, and I'm not going to say his name. Um, I was like, dude, like, I think I'm, I love you like a brother. And I think I'm just ruining your career because we're partying all the time. You know what I mean? Yeah. um, So I ended up moving out and he ended up getting traded like a couple weeks later. So we stopped hanging, hanging out, but it was kind of like, you have to kind of like know who you like are surrounded with. It's got to put you in a better scenario. And let's, let's face it, dude, you know, you can say, say all you want about LeBron. LeBron puts good people around himself. Yep. You know what I mean? He's not going to be in that situation. Ja has a lot of kids that look up to him and he's doing that. You, Wait, you know what? You know, look, Patrick and- Beverly made a good point too. Um, and, and this is exactly what you were saying. Patrick Beverly said, where is somebody around him to take his phone? Take your phone, take all the crap from you and say, dude, what are you doing right now? Don't put this out there. Take the gun. Like, where is somebody in his circle to tell him, dude, this isn't cool. You can't do it. Like, I don't, LeBron has those people. Kobe had those people. Those guys, they had people that tell them things that you don't want to hear sometimes. You cannot surround yourself with a bunch of yes men. And that's what a lot of these guys that come up, they bring their buddies and they know that they're loyal and they're friends that aren't going to tell them anything wrong. But, you know, for whether or not you like, or love Patrick Beverly, he just said, where was someone around him to say, to take his phone from him right then? And don't let him do that. He needs someone like that there. And, and they're not there. Yeah. I, so, where's like all the time. And like, I'm like, I have a phenomenal relationship with both my parents, but it just kind of seems like every time we look, job rules, dad is there. Or Moran's where, dad, right? Is getting Moran's into dad. it. Yeah. Where where's his dad right now to say hey, I know. what the hell are you have been doing? I know. Where and I it's right now, this is immature recklessness. It is on the verge of getting dangerous. It is. That, it's that, sca- that's scary. where it is right now. It's immature recklessness on the verge of getting dangerous. You need to they had the stuff with the lasers pointing at the pacers security guards. Whatever happened in the pickup game, and now this. So, like, I don't know what happened. I'm not there, you know. Yeah. But that's three things in a short matter of time. And generally speaking, when there's, there's smoke, smoke there's, there's some fire. fire. 
Yep. So and it's, I don't know what's going on, but it makes you think there's something going on. And the reports are out there that if you were trapped, like, so he was cleared by the police of any, like, actual wrongdoing. There was nothing investig- in the investigation because they didn't need to know, really, like, nobody called the police to say he had a gun. The police were only investigating it based off the video. So they didn't have enough information just based off of, like, video and hearsay because he didn't do anything. But that's different than the NBA. The NBA has a code of conduct. You don't have to get charged with a crime to be against the NBA's code of conduct. If you've got a gun on that team plane or anywhere on team premises, they can suspend you for 50 games. 50. 5-0. From... From me growing up and playing, I have a lot of friends that are like still associated in, with the NBA. They think it's going to be longer than 50 games. Yeah. From what my talking to them, I'm not going to mention who they are, but sure. I, they, from what they've told me, it's going to be a long, long while. And keep in mind on top of jaw being out, because what like, this is so like one, another one of those things where, it's sort of weird to talk about this in a, in sports capacity too, because man, everything that's going on in the world with guns and we keep having all these shootings over and over and over again at schools, at hospitals, at libraries, out in the public. And then people waving the guns around like it's no big deal, but we have to talk about what it actually means from a basketball sense too on the court for them. This is a team that in a year, like we just said, where you don't trust a lot of the teams in the West they were going to have a legitimate chance with home court advantage being one of the top two or three seeds. And for all the negative stuff about them, when he's on the court with them, there's still a very good basketball team that he can carry. But now we don't know what's going to go on with him. We know at the very least he's missing four more games and who knows about the suspension on top of that. Steven Adams has had a lingering injury and Brandon Clark their backup big is done for the year. So it's not a whole lot of positives for a team that played without jaw last year and has won without jaw, but I don't know if they can win without jaw and Clark and maybe as someone like Steven Adams, if he's not around, that's all of a sudden taking three of your top eight or nine rotation players out of the mix. That's not easy. I don't mean to sound negative, but they're done. Yeah. There's like, I, I agree with you. There's just, they're done. No, I mean, yeah. Like they're, they're done. They're, you know, yeah. good story a couple years ago, but now it's not a good story. Your NBA window could shut really fast. Like we just like, said with Boston, man, it could with the Celtics, it could close instantly. The Memphis looked like a team that was going to be there for years to come. And now you have no idea how quickly it can change. We talked about uh, Kevin Durant a minute ago, the f- number four seed Suns, Booker, KD, CP3, and Aiton. But then after those four, Akogi, Payne, Torrey Craig, Wainwright, Terrence Ross, TJ Warren. Like, is that enough of a bench when you have guys like CP3 and Kevin Durant who are injury prone and we know that they get hurt quite a bit? You need a little bit more from your bench. I, I don't know if they're deep enough. And I don't know if everyone's going to stay happy, Eric. This is something you and I were talking about earlier on the Better Than Vegas show. DeAndre Ayton has not been happy in Phoenix over the last year and a half. 
And this year, he was averaging 18 points per game. He's always been more of an offensive player than a defensive player since he was in college. But in three games since Kevin Durant has come over, Aiton, 6.7 field goal attempts per game and only averaging 10.7 points per game. A lot of the NBA writers and reporters and, and fans, they see big super teams like this get put together, but they don't think about the domino effects that it might have. How, oh yeah, they don't really have a bench. And oh yeah, a guy like Aiton, who you need to play strong defense and rebound, you got to keep this guy happy. And if he's not getting very many touches, he's not going to be happy. Eric, we know guys like Dwight Howard, big men, any anyone, when you do all the dirty work, you want to get the ball once or twice. Everybody does. We're human. We have egos. Even the guys that know they're not the greatest offensive players, they still want to get some looks. And for someone like Aiton, who is a very good offensive player, this might not be easy for him. And he may not love the fact that, oh yeah, he's the fourth option and the three options ahead of him, in particular, the two of Durant and Booker are extremely high usage guys that could come down every, the entire quarter could be Booker Durant just back and forth. Yeah. Um, I have a lot of issues with the Suns team. Um, first one is Booker. He runs his mouth way too much. Like, like I have never seen a guy. You're a guy who hasn't won anything. Like, and the whole thing at the end of the Mavericks game, like, why are you like pointing and talking to Luca? You know what I mean? Because Luca embarrassed you in Game Seven. Yeah. Where were you in Game Seven? Where was that in that thunder in Game Seven? Can I know? Can Chris Paul stay healthy? Can Chris Paul make a shot For in the four playoffs? rounds? Can and his three point um, shot lately has been bad. Like he he's been shooting in the twenties uh, percentage wise in three point range uh, as of late. And look, I can tell you firsthand that Deion. DeAndre Ian don't like Monty Williams and Monty Williams don't like DeAndre. Ian. So there's always going to be that issue going on with them. Um, you know, the one dude they have that I do kind of like is Wainwright. I mean, I do guy. too. I do too. Yeah. He can, can kind of do the dirty work. He was you know, closing with them the other night. He was yeah. on the uh, closer with them. Yeah. They did get um, uh, Terrence Ross, you know, good in five-minute sparks, you yeah. know, scoring and everything. This team, to me, has a lot of questions. Uh, obviously, I don't know. For whatever reason, people put Monty Williams on this ped- pedestal as a coach. Is he really that good? I don't know. I don't either. I, don't, I think the jury is a little bit still out on him. Um, this team, let's – this team should have beat Milwaukee in the playoffs. They're up big. Yep. And they kind of fell apart. And then they completely cratered against Dallas. Yeah, and they completely just – so I don't – to me, there's just way too many questions with this team. Um, And the guy that bought him – of course, I'm spaced on his name like an idiot. Um, That guy's a go-getter, dude. Like, that's a young guy who's a go-getter. And Like, if this doesn't work – Yeah, he's going to be looking to make moves. Ishbia? Ishbia? Yeah, he wants – he wants them to be on point. You yeah. know what I mean? He, he's there to bring a title. That's why the Durant move was made. 
And look, if this doesn't work out, he's probably going to move move on and look to get something else. Um, I just don't see it though, man. I know. Like, I, I, I don't mean either. I'm I'm fade that. I'm a fade on them for sure. Um, so they're in the four spot right now. In the five spot are the Mavs. And as we're recording, the Mavs are down by like 20 right now. They're playing uh, the Pelicans. Think of with them, like, okay, offensively, they can be fantastic. Um, but since acquiring Kyrie, so 10 games now, their defensive rating is number 26. Their offensive rating is number four, but they're five and five. I, I think that's who they are. I will say this though, like everyone's always so quick to judge people when they don't know this, like the backstory of, of people. I saw this TikTok and this guy like, like tells a story how a 10 year old went to bed and in the middle of the night, his mom passed away. And I'll, I'll say this. If I was 10 years old, in the middle of the night and my mom passed away, it would kind of mess me up a little bit. Absolutely. So, and I'm not making excuses, but I do think like when Kyrie starts doing his crazy shit, we kind of got to remember that a little bit. No, you know what dude. I mean? I'm not making excuses for any. No, no, it's not an excuse, but there's the a reason. Guys. There's a reason why you, you yeah. maybe weren't, you didn't the- have that extra support, someone to kind of to steer you in the right direction. Maybe when yeah. you're thinking went off, I, off I a little bit. We kind of, and let's face it, like you're 10 and you lose your mom. That's going to mess you up a little oh, bit. Oh man. Um, Just so, brutal. you know, I think, and like, don't get me wrong. I'm not agreeing with any of the, the stuff he said in the past. I just think that's, we got to remember that. Um, I have this team defensively is a nightmare. Interior wise, they're a nightmare. Um, yeah, could it be a fun series, an up and down series in the first round? But that's it. I don't see yeah. them getting around the, around the first round. No. Warriors, I mean, they can't win on the road. Um, I really think the big thing with the Warriors, though, we talked about it earlier today, is they're just really missing Wiggins right now. I know. Because Wiggins can play the, the three. He can, Wiggins can base Wiggins can bring he, it up. He, he, people forget that. how big of a deal he is. Like, having yeah. Wiggins as, like, what what do we need tonight? Let's yeah. Wiggins Wiggins will defend the other guy's best player. Oh, you know what? Like they're not really Wiggins defending him. Wiggins will go score twenty five. Last yeah, he year he didn't he lead the the series in rebounding in the NBA Finals. You bet yeah. that or like he, yeah, he led him in rebounding. Like he's just he's just all over the place with what he can do and everything he can do. And they're missing a big chip without him. And I yep. think people we just kind of need to remember that especially with how close the west is and how tough it is to win on the road you're missing someone like wiggins who's your best on the ball defender probably your second best um your second best uh rebounder second or third depending on what you think of draymond green and and looney and him and probably what your third or fourth best spot up shooter you know so and he made 20 dribble so it shows because they made 23 pointers in a game and still lost yeah, last night like with Steph made 10. He had 40 points, but their defense is bad on the road too. They go through these lulls. Um, you know, you have Minnesota who had a pretty good stretch where they played, uh, they beat the Lakers, they beat the Clippers. Um, and I think they beat the Kings too during that stretch. Then they lost to Philly. Um, I don't really know what 
to expect from them. Gobert, just like I said, he got crushed. They're giving him the ball a little bit more offensively. He's up to 16.3 points per game in this recent stretch. But they have a weird schedule. They have seven games coming up, all against Eastern Conference teams. They play Brooklyn at Atlanta, Boston at the Bulls, at Toronto, the Knicks, and then Atlanta, which is really weird. When everybody's playing all the West teams against each other, they have like three weeks where they don't play any teams from the West. So that'll that'll be uh, interesting to see how they move around. Eric, let's finish up here and talk about the last couple teams on the Western Conference side, the Clippers. Uh, they're only one in five in their last six, and the only game they won, they beat Memphis, who was without jaw, Dylan Brooks, Clark, and Adams. They gave up 129 points in that game that they won. They gave up 51 points in the third quarter. They were very lucky. They went on a 17-0 to run in the fourth quarter, so they were able to come back and win. But they are only 3-7 and in their last 10 games, and their defensive rating is number 28. They are only ahead of the Kings, Pacers, and Blazers. And this is there's no excuses. They've got their whole team now. Everybody's healthy. They made their their acquisitions that they needed. Like there's just there's a weird vibe and heart and like no leadership with this team. I mean, when your best player is MIA and quiet, and you got Paul George, I mean it. You know, like it's it's it it is what it is. You know what I mean? Like it's it's just kind of cop. Just got a notification that Sean Kemp has been arrested in a drive-by shooting. That's another oh, wow. NBA player with a, uh, wow. with a goal, or booked, excuse me, booked. Um, wow. Your Lakers, look, I mean, this is my thing with them, is I really feel they can't get past the play-in tournament unless LeBron's there. That's that's just the way I feel. With yeah, it. I don't think. Um, with AD, you know, has been playing good, but is the – you look at the body of work that AD has over his whole career. And I think it's hard to trust that he's going to be able to maintain this to get them to where they need to be. If that makes sense. Yeah. And I, and they need LeBron, no doubt about it. Um, what I like about them, no win, lose wherever they end up, they're playing way better defense which is something that you and I harp on with all these teams, because if you are not a good defensive team, you have no chance. You just don't like, if you're not an above at like a top, a top half of the league defensive team, you're not going to win. There's never been a team. That's a bad defensive team. win the NBA finals, it's just not going to happen since the trade deadline. They have the number one defensive rating in the, uh, in the NBA. They are seven and three in their last 10. And they have a defensive rating of one Oh seven point six. Um, so that is that is good, but you're right. How far are they going to go? As far as LeBron will take them, because Anthony Davis has been awesome. 30 points, 15 rebounds, four assists, three blocks, 28, 19, 30 and five, 39, eight, 30 and 22. He's going to break down if the, he has to do this on offense and on defense for a while longer. We've seen it. He breaks down every time. It's, it's asking too much of him. There's not very many guys that you ask to do that in the league, to be the guy that catches the ball every time on offense and shuts everything down on defense. What's nice for them. They have a good schedule coming up Toronto, the Knicks at home uh, at the Pelicans at the Rockets. And from the, for the Lakers, they have two games left with the Suns. They don't play any team. That's a top three seed in the East or the West. Okay. Eric, give me a Dallas or you got Oklahoma city, Portland, Utah, Pelicans that are the teams behind the Lakers 
Who of those do you like? Do you not? We've sort of already said we think Utah's on their way out, right? They've lost four. Utah's on their way out. Yep. Um, Pelican, Pelicans are going to reevaluate. Um, Zion in two weeks. In a couple weeks, they're done in my yeah. eyes without them. Without Zion, you really don't know what they have without him. Um, Blazers play no defense. I kind of think by default, it's going to be the Thunder. Yeah. The Thunder have a, a good basketball team, too. And if Shea's playing, and one thing that we've talked about, it would be good for them to get a play-in game or a short series for a lot of these young guys. Even if it gets your butt kicked, get them a I little know, bit of experience. Memphis a couple years ago. Right? It worked out very well for Memphis, and they were able to take that next step. So, Eric, buddy, uh, we're just finishing up. I know you've got another show to go get to right now. We're going to follow you at ETOF21. We'll check out all your great stuff at ETOF21 Sports all over the place. And you and I will be on Better Than Vegas this weekend talking college basketball, NBA, everything going on in the world of sports. So go ahead, my friend. Get on out of here. Thanks so much for uh, for helping us out. And we'll talk to you again in, in the next few. Sounds good. Talk soon, my friend. Folks, we'll be back again next week, each and every week. Eric joining us to talk about everything going on in the NBA. Horse racing fans, many of us have been using the DRF, the daily racing form, for years, studying the races, keeping up to date on news with all the articles. I remember looking for a copy at the local liquor store or picking one up at the local racetrack, wherever I was going. Now it's even easier and cheaper than ever to use DRF with DRF.com and the newly optimized DRF Mobile. You can get all the tracks that you want to bet and handicap. Past performances that are mobile optimized for on-the-go handicapping on your phone. So you go to DRF.com from your mobile device, no additional cost. Tap the calendar icon on the top left. It opens all of the options for past performances and for the tools that are available. One click to bet now and DRF bets. Get real-time odds and scratches on race day. You can tap on any horse and you get those same DRF pass performances that you're familiar with with a larger font for your mobile display. One click to formulator for charts, for replays if you get the formulator version. And even on the classic pass performances, you get the home screen with horses, with odds, with buyers. You get a lifetime buyer speed figure graph. You can rotate your phone for the best view. And any horse that you click on, you'll see the running lines. You can easily move from horse to horse. The same data as those traditional classic DRF pass performances. You get an interactive format, which is very similar to the DRF classic version that you're used to on the desktop. Every card includes live data updated instantly with those scratches. And so you get the accessibility from desktop to phone, cross-device functionality. You can take your notes and save them from one device to the next and then access your account on any of your devices. On-the-go handicapping and wagering multiple formats to view you got the overview page with recent speed figures current days odds easy access to expert selections and analysis you got the buyer speed figure graph with lifetime buyer speed figures and chart notes for every horse 
and you got those traditional DRF pass performances that are just newly optimized for your mobile phones. They are constantly upgrading, improving, and making everything easier for you to get your handicapping done at DRF.com. Download the Stable Duel app and play today. Make sure to join us every week, Friday morning, 10 o'clock a.m. Eastern Time. You can give us a follow at Stable Duel or at It's Me, Gino B, and the live stream will just pop right up if you subscribe to my YouTube channel or it'll come up on Facebook, I believe. So lots of different ways you can find that. So myself, Matt DeSantis, Barry Spears, and we give out all the best uh stable duel information what contest to play in for the weekend and then our best bets for friday and for saturday it's the no chalk zone we give out only five to one and up in there so only prices for stable duel this weekend big games at tampa bay downs because it's a big weekend there with the tampa bay derby so we're, we're going to talk about that race in just a moment but before we get to saturday let's talk about some friday racing let's give you a few best bets over at Gulfstream and then at santa anita so we'll start at Gulfstream park on Friday, let's turn to race number five at Gulfstream on Friday. It's five furlongs on the synthetic. It's a 20 non-winners of two. I thought the five Bahamian captain was intriguing here. This one's going to go second start off the long layoff, and the synthetic races are very good. The two races on the synthetic. I mean, overall, the form's been pretty good for this one. But in his last start, which was his first start since July of 2022, he had a good beginning inside then he had to take back and shuffle a little bit things were really tight down on the inside he had to wait he came on again late with a really big gallop out and I think it's a nice spot for him they'll step him up second start off the bench has a little bit of speed but he can also sit and pass horses I think he fits pretty well in here at a nice price he's 15 to 1 on the morning line throw him in your early pick fives if he's anything in the 10 to 1 plus range put a few bucks to win on the number five Bahamian captain Let's move to race number seven at Gulfstream on Friday, March the 10th. We're looking at the one quality. Source will now go second start off the long layoff. It's back to the dirt after trying the turf last time out off the bench. And on paper, I think she's the one to catch in here. She catches a, a group with a lot of pressers, a lot of horses that want to be close up, but I don't know if they necessarily are speed demons that want to be right on the front end. So I'm hoping... Inside draw, the one gets sent hard, 12-1 to 1 on the morning line. If we can get anything 8-plus, feels fair on that one. We move to race number 8. Let's look for another price, and I'm looking at the 7 in here, starting over. Starting over was behind Emmanuel last time out. That's the next outgraded stakes winner. That was his first start of the year, starting overs, and you know he was involved early on and then was well-defeated in that race. This is a better spot for starting over. Second off the short break. If you eliminate a couple of those races on the yielding turf, overall the form is very good and should offer you some really nice value in here. I think he fits well with this group. The number seven starting over is 15 to 1 on the morning line there in race number eight at Gulfstream Park. So a couple plays for Friday Gulfstream. Good luck there on Friday at Gulfstream Park. 
let's move on over and talk some Friday Santa Anita. Get those past performances out for Santa Anita for Friday, March the 10th. Let's look at races 1, 4, and 6. So in the opener, we have Cupid's Crusader, who has raced twice in his career. Both of those races, kind of slowish starts, but really... In the debut, he got bumped at the start. He misses the break, and he's going to last. He's about five lengths off. He moves inside in between. He was showing some nice late energy. That was in a sprint on the dirt. Then, a lot more forwardly placed going long on the turf last time out. Both of those races against Maiden Special Weights. He's going to drop. He's going to cut back to a dirt sprint. I'm just expecting a much better effort here at this level for the number two, Cupid's Crusader. Six to one on the morning line. Let's move to race number four. For Friday at Santa Anita, I'm looking at the one in here, Peppermint Flirt. Felt like her last race was a total setup race for her to prep going longer. In her career debut, that was way back in August of 2021, she came on late and finished third. Second start, she steps up and proves and breaks her maiden. Then she's off from September of 21 to February of 2023. So it's second start off, a 17-month break. Really just a leg stretcher last time out. She misses all of her three-year-old year. She could really take another nice step forward in here and, and show some big improvement in her next couple races. She flashed some ability at two. Let's give her a look. Saving all the ground from the inside. Come running late. She won at a mile. This is a mile and an eighth. It doesn't feel like distance should be any problem for her. The number one, Peppermint Flirt. 12 to one on the morning line. We need around eight to play her. And then in the sixth race, it's a maiden special rate, maiden special way going a mile on the turf for three-year-old fillies. I like the six in there. Marina's Tina. She had a wide draw. She settled in the three path. She was about four or five lengths off. She was four deep. She moved all the way up into about fourth with a slight bid, but the winner was a really easy wire-to-wire winner that day, AG Bullet, who came back to win $100,000 stakes next out. Marina's Tina is eight to one on the morning line. I think she's very intriguing, and I'll be using in all exotics. We'll play a win wager if we can get anything around five. So that's a look at Friday, Santa Anita, March the 10th. Let's turn the page on over to some Saturday races. Let's start with Tampa Bay Downs because they have the big day, and let's uh, let's take a look at some of their stakes. So Tampa PPs for March the 11th. Let's dive on in. We're going to look at race number seven at Tampa Bay Downs. It's the Columbia Stakes race for three-year-olds going a mile on the turf. I used the number two, Sendero, well, last time out. He's actually cross-entered. He's on the also-eligibles list at Gulfstream Park on Saturday as well. But Sendero really did get going late, and he had one of the most brutal trips you'll ever see on January the 14th. He does have some ability, and he, he kind of fits well with this group. If he's in the you know 5-1 to one plus range, he's at least a, a pick five toss-in. The seven Worthington is the horse for me just on, on the return to the grass. He tried the dirt last time out at Tampa Bay. They gave him a shot, just didn't fire on the dirt. Let's come right back to the grass. He finished behind Candidate and Major Dude on January the 7th. Those two came right back to run first and second again in a stakes race. And the six finisher came back to win the Battaglia next time out. So that race has been very live. The Donya Beach where Worthington was third. And I think he's you know one of the horses to beat in here. If he's anything in the you know, three to one plus range. That's probably pretty nice value on him. To look at the Columbia, seven and two, the horses that intrigue me the most in there. 
in what's a wide open race. Another situation with a horse like the One Freedom Trail who took a shot on the the dirt last time out and gets back to the turf. So obviously he would be no shock in there. I was just trying to give you a couple horses that were maybe a little more uh, outside the box. The 10 would be no surprise. It's a wide open race, but I would I would lean 7-2 as my top horses. In the Challenger, which is race number 8, you have Skippy Longstocking, who's going to take a lot of money in there. Classic Causeways making his return and his a debut at four. He ran well at Tampa last year. He won the Sam F. Davis and the Tampa Bay Derby on this day, actually on March 12th of 2022. I felt like with Mighty Heart, with Classic Causeway, you know Classic Causeway is going to go forward. Surly Furious is stretching out from some shorter sprint races, and the last couple races when he was going longer, he was forwardly placed. I'd expect him to be close up early. Tax usually wants to be in the mix early. I don't think he's as fast as the other two, but I think they'll try to have him close up. And the same with Mighty Heart, who usually wants to be pretty close up. Skippy Longstocking's kind of a presser. I feel like Trademark could sit a nice trip. Now, he's actually shown some speed before. He's going to be making his first start at four. But if you look at a few of his last races, his his back-to-back wins to end his three-year-old year, on October the 22nd, he beat Actuator, who was the Indiana Derby winner, and he beat Pioneer Medina, who came back to win a graded stakes race recently. I feel like he should save ground on the inside. I don't think he's as fast as some of the others, so trademark is interesting to me in there. And Skippy Longstocking is probably the class of the field, so I would use one, two in those exotics. In race number nine, it's the Hillsboro, mile and an eighth on the turf. Shantasara will be tough, Rougier. Obviously, those are the class... You know, the classy mares in the field, and they're probably the ones to beat. Surprisingly, in Temple City Terror, they also would be no surprise. But I don't see all that much early speed in here, and I think Scottish Star should just send hard from the outside. Looks like the one to catch. She was tracking in fourth, about two lengths off in the two path. She was three wide. She made a big bid up to take the lead, but she had trouble putting away the event, the horse that finished third that day. And then the number two surprisingly came in and got her right on the wire. But maybe in this race, she can get even more of a jump and she can set the pace in here. Scottish Star, the number seven, six to one on the morning line. We'll, we'll use this one if we can get anything over seven to two. We turn to the 10th race. It's the Florida Oaks. Long shot, the number one mission of joy. Very intriguing. The seven is another horse. I would have no problem using Stephanie's Charm. We've used a few times before. I do think my top two in here are the three and the six. Navy Goat had a Pretty tough trip on January the 7th. Got bumped at the start, was 8th, was inside early, was then cut the corner, was up to 5th, was about 4 lengths off, was traveling well, but just had nowhere to go. Traffic, moved to the 2-path in between, was really trying hard. Now gets Lasix for the first time. That was behind Cairo Consort, who we've seen come back and win, and then run 3rd in a race where, even in that race, Cairo Consort was very impressive. The shape of the race was against her. And Alpha Bello was right behind Cairo Consort. So I'll use the six as my top selection. The horse to bet if I can get around four to one, six, three, one, seven in race number 10 at Tampa. Let's keep rolling along at Tampa and move to the Tampa Bay Derby. And in the Tampa Bay Derby, we have a lot of these horses that are coming back from the Sam F. Davis, but Tappet Trice is going to be the horse to beat. Was four wide at Gulfstream Park. Made a really nice move into contention. The horse who's in here, the number nine, 
um, Shesterkin got the jump on Tappet Trice, and Tappet Trice just went right by, put this one away, and really drew off nicely. So that's your horse to beat, no doubt. Now, if you're looking for some value plays and horses to bet in this race, I would throw in the four Groveland and the seven Freedom Road. I think both of them fit pretty well. So Freedom Road, best races have come sprinting, but when she was going, when he went long in his two races, one of them was in the slop behind Congruent, who's actually a pretty nice horse now. The other was in a decent race at Monmouth Park in the Sapling. So I'm not ready to say that he can't go long yet. I'd give him another shot, and he's going to be a nice price. So it it's built into the price. And then for the four Groveland, he tried to move twice up the inside in the rail, and he got stopped, but he just sort of stayed inside and really kept trying hard all the way. And um, he's very honest. He shows up every time with a really, really good account of himself. So four, six, and seven in a lot of the exotics for me there in the Tampa Bay Derby, race number 11, Kentucky Derby points on the line Saturday over at Tampa Bay. Let's move to Gulfstream Park for Saturday. So my real focus on Saturday from Gulfstream and Santa Anita it will be that coast-to-coast pick five that combines the two different tracks. It will go from Gulfstream race 9, 10, and 11, and Santa Anita race 4 and 5. So we'll talk about all those races coming up um, at, at those two tracks, but we'll also talk about the eighth race at Gulfstream, which is the Hurricane Birdie, 6.5. You know, Frank's Rockette will take a lot of money in there. She's no doubt the horse to beat. Six of her victories have come at six furlongs or shorter, and I honestly think that's really where she's best. She's been able to win at six and a half and some t- a couple times at seven just because she's classy, but that's not where she's at her best. So if you're looking to play against her, uh, Drioferos, the five, third start off the bench, a little upside, a little versatility, I just sort of feel like I know the rest of the field and who they are. And maybe this filly has a step forward somewhere in her. Let's move to the ninth race at Gulfstream. This is a mile and a 16th turf race. It's a first level allowance. This one's a really, really contentious race. Where Far Bridge is going to be the heavy favorite. But I'll tell you, if you want to go in a different direction, there are some others. Far Bridge earned a big figure for that career debut. And it was an impressive race. He was inside. He was about 7th, about 5 lengths off. He moved up to 3rd, about 3 lengths off inside. The top two separated, but he tipped out and he just got up. And one of the horses he beat came right back to win their next start by eight and three quarter lengths with a 93 buyer speed figure. So tough to really knock. But the one Emperor's Appeal. This is a horse who just lost to Tappet Trice. We just talked about Tappet Trice, who's going to be the favorite in the Tampa Bay Derby and was in that race behind Tappet Trice and uh, Shistek Erin. Um, Emperor's Appeals Dam earned $494,000 on the turf, was a three-time graded stakes winner. She produced two foals to try the turf. One of them only tried it once. The other was two for three. Horse named Frozen Solid for these very same connections. Same jockey trainer. First time Lasix for the one. Saves all the ground from the inside. Can she just improve a little bit on the turf where she's bred to? I think she's very live in here at a fair price. You have the three hairy time. In his U.S. debut, he had not raced from September to January. He shows up January the 14th at Gulfstream Park. He's sitting fifth inside, about three or four lengths off. He shifts off the rail. Then he moves in between horses and around three wide. He's up to challenge. He's always in really tight. 
Um, and, you know, he's kind of being leaned on. He just never really looks like he, he's comfortable and got the opportunity to fully stretch his legs. And he could stay, take a big step forward here. Second time in the U.S., second start off that break, just he'll be a little bit fitter here. So 1, 3, and 9 would be the top tier for me. I, I like Mooncat. I don't know if he's quite classy enough for some in here, but he's he's got a good race in him. And if Farbridge comes back to life a little bit, the rest of this field is sort of evenly matched. You have the horses to the outside, like the 11 and the 12. Tumbarumba, second off the bench, who wouldn't shock? Second start at three. And then Conman making his first start at three, first time getting a Lasix, first time gelding. Those horses wouldn't um, be a big surprise. They have some web slinger form in there. But for me, kind of that top tier, one, three, and nine. Let's move to the 10th race. Now, I think in this race, it's a first level allowance on the dirt going six and a half. The King Cab is probably the fastest, and then Uniki should be close up from the rail. There's a few other pressers, and there's not that much other need-the-lead speed. Uniki could could likely sit a pretty good trip if it's just those two up front, if, and he lets King Cab go, and then Uniki just sits second. Now, the eight is the horse who I'm, I'm pretty intrigued by. That's Rod to Rod. I really like this cutback from a mile to six and a half furlongs. This is a barn over the last five years. That's a 30% barn first start off the claim. They've won with 55 of their last 185 horses first start off the claim for a $2.18 ROI. And if you look back at some of his races, you know, he faced a horse named Strike Hard a couple times, who is a, a nice one, Skippy Longstocking, who we just talked about, stakes winner. He was in maiden special weights and first level allowance races, and you can eliminate you know, three races from his career. Races that sent him to the layoff, races where he's come back from a long layoff, where he rightfully needed the race, and everything else is pretty good. He's consistent, and if this barn can just step him back up a little bit, I think Rod to Rod is a player in here. Cover Me Up is also a first-time gelding now that fits really well, but he has not raced since May of last year. So you look at the 1-5, both our horses coming off of a long layoff. The 8 does have some question marks at the level, so I like a couple horses in here who we have questions about, but I think they're the most, they're the horses with perhaps the most upside that could be the most talented. Then after them, it would be Starship Renegade and Gangly for me. Florida Breds, come out of the same race. They were both close to each other and neither would really shock in here. I just think there are a a couple others with more upside. Let's move to the 11th. It's the Captiva Island. Five for a long turf sprint. The number two Little Jewel is a half sibling to Little Mike who earned 3.5 million. He's also a half to a couple other uh, nice turf horses. One of them is named Little Nick who was a good turf sprinter that earned 360,000. Little Jewel has improved in each start, and now she's going to make her third start off the long layoff. Her only two losses came when finishing behind very nice horses. The most recent one behind a horse named Frozen Solid, who's two for three on the turf with a second and three turf starts. Little Jewel had a good start, was right with the leaders. She took back in be uh, she was in between horses, so they took her back, and she tipped wide and around. She's really handy. And I'd imagine she's going to open up at way shorter than her morning line. 
She probably should be like five to one in here. Charlie T is the one who should be the one to catch. They will send this Philly hard from the rail. The four trained to Artemis, really in good form right now. You, you can't really knock what she's done, but she's won five of her last six, and she can just sit right behind the lead. If they go too slow, she will go to the lead, but she probably is best with the target. That's sort of my top tier, two, one, four. Following that, you have horses like uh, Imagery, who was fourth, wasn't beaten a whole lot behind Charlie T and Mamba Wamba. Mamba Wamba would be the next one I would use, though, the eight, who was last early. She'll come running. She's just, she's just a late closer in a turf sprint, so she's at the mercy of you know some traffic trouble and needing the, the, the race shape, needing it to set up for her. Then you have the six, Muted. Her dam was a stakes winner on the turf and was multiple graded stakes place. She might like the turf, and she hasn't really done much wrong in her four races. Perhaps she can show a little speed and get involved early in here. She just hasn't run since May of 2022. 2-1-4 for me. Horses I'll be using all over if you're going deeper, if you're using unders, if there's a spread race for you. 8-5-6 would be that next tier for me. So that's a look at Gulfstream for Saturday. Remember, those 9th, 10th, and 11th races are all part of the Pick 5, that coast-to-coast Pick 5. It's $1, 15% takeout, and it combines three races from Gulfstream this week and two from Santa Anita, the 9th, 10th, and 11th from Gulfstream. And then let's head over to Santa Anita, and we'll talk about the 4th, the 5th, and then another uh, stakes race later on the card at Santa Anita. So get those past performances out. So race number four at Santa Anita is a maiden special weight. This is a really fun race. It's uh, a lot of different directions you can go in here in this turf sprint. I thought the nine lunar impact kind of interesting. This is the filly who debuted for a barn who's just a lot better with horses making their second and third start, a little more experience. And she actually was a little faster than it might look on paper. She was right with the leaders. She just took back from the inside and the winner, A.G. Bullet, got the lead and has since won next time out. And Lunar Impact with the outside draw in this race, we know she has speed. I think they're going to send her pretty hard from the outside. She's a little quicker than it might look on paper. So I'm throwing her in my pick fives because she should be forwardly placed in here, as should the five part of the night. She's She's a proven sprint speed horse in here too. She was asked for speed from the rail. She had to back off a little bit. She backed two, backed up two lengths and around, um, kind of in between late. Didn't really look like she was going to win coming off the pace, so I wouldn't be shocked if she gets sent hard in here. She hasn't run since August, though. Now, the two, Jennifer's Delight is really interesting. She's going to get Lasix for the first time. Now, she's raced four times, all of them in maiden special weights. The first was on the dirt. She lost to a horse named And Tell Me No Lies, who is a grade one winner and multiple graded stakes winner. In her second start, she lost to a horse named Pride of the Nile. And Jennifer's Delight was only beaten three quarters of a length that day. That was going a mile on the turf when she showed speed and she just got a little tired. But the winner, Pride of the Nile, is grade one placed and multiple graded stakes placed. Then Jennifer's Delight came back and faced Broadway Girls, who's a stakes winner, a next out stakes winner. So she ran into three horses in a row who are super classy, stakes horses, grade one winner, stakes winner, grade one placed. And then on December the 30th, she was in a, a spot where she's a couple lengths off, but she was three wide, unfortunately. And the horse who wins the race is a lone speed winner. 
So she's three deep chasing a lone speed winner in a race where there's no passing. Now she cuts back a little bit. She's she's probably going to need a little bit of help up front. Can she be more forwardly placed in here? Because she has an inside draw and she'll hope, you know, the five and the nine and maybe one or two of the first time starters show speed. She's uh, interesting in the six to one-ish range. And then the four, not now. She had legitimate traffic right away. She had to back up till like 10th or 11th inside. She was about seven lengths off, but she was traveling well. She started to move through on the inside. She was in tight. She moved three wide in between for third. In that January 22nd race, there were three next out winners. One of them won $100,000 stakes next out, AG Bullet. The fourth place finisher won a maiden special weight at Turfway. The eighth place finisher won a maiden 62.5 next out. So thought, you know, two, four, five, and nine. And then the, the first time starters that are interesting, the six and the seven, Annie's Joy, the dam of this one was a 14-time turf winner and a multiple stakes winner. She's a half to Blackjack Cat, who was a graded stakes winner, was third in the Breeders' Cup mile, and then two other winning siblings on the turf. Vengaza, the seven, worked with Go Rocket Ride on February the 23rd. Her dam was a grade one winner on the turf. She's got some ability. The one Irish Rose came closing really nicely in the debut. Slow start, was back to last, inside, kept on the rail, moved into traffic, shifted in between, was up for second, sort of just held on for second. It's a wide open race. Many ways you can go. But like always for me, I'll let price dictate it. Two and then nine will be towards the top of all my tickets. In the fifth race, it's the San Carlos. Forbidden Kingdom will be flashing some speed. His last couple, though, they've been a little disappointing. After the Santa Anita Derby, they shortened him back up to sprints. He got beat by How Be It in his first start off of what, like a six, seven-month layoff. Then he lost to get her number at six furlongs. Then at seven furlongs, he lost to Taiba. And in this race, Spirit of Machina, the horse right next door to Forbidden Kingdom, is pretty talented. He's not quite as credentialed, but he will be right to the outside of Forbidden Kingdom, I think holding the loot from the inside, they may try to shove him a little bit. He's not as fast as the other two, but if he just gets out of there and tries to hold some position, makes the other two work a little, I think it's it's get her numbers race to uh, to get the trip, cutting back. Beat Forbidden Kingdom at six furlongs, and seven just feels perfect. She uh, Get her number, he actually moved really wide into contention in the Pegasus. He got a call. Sort of looked like he was making a big bid. In, in, in smaller races, he's shown he can sit closer in like, the smaller fields. The three I'll, I'll also be including. I mean, I think the three is the, is the most interesting horse in here. I'm going to go 3-5. Try to beat Forbidden Kingdom. Let's move to race number eight. Another stakes race on the card. It's the grade one Beholder Mile. And in this race, the outside runner Fun to Dream is in nice form. But the two Pauline's Pearl, this is a pretty classy mare. If you just sort of pick up her form overall, she's a seven-time winner with three seconds and three-thirds and 16 overall starts. And a couple of her poor performances is like she finished fourth. She had a really nice 2022 after a good end to 2021. She won the grade one La Troyenne last year. She finished behind CeCe. She's won the grade three Sam Houston Ladies Classic multiple times. And she's going to go second start off the bench, making her second start of the year. She's she's in a really nice spot here. Now, it'll probably be the the Baffert runners again on the front end. I, I mean, I guess you have Christian Bosch who could 
try to hold that position from the rail, and we'll see if Awake at Midnight wants to show more speed stretching out a little. But Ganadora is the one to catch. And you probably have Midnight Memories, who doesn't want to be too far out of it. I like the two Pauline's Pearl. I feel like she's the uh, the classy mare in this group. So that's a look at Santa Anita for Saturday as we finish up the Saturday racing there. Wish all of you the best of luck in your racing this weekend. We want to encourage everyone after you make a bunch of money and you're going to go try to buy a new house, you head to cindycarava.com. C-I-N-D-Y-C-A-R-A-V-A dot com. And she's a full-service realtor, so she can help you with buying, with selling, with leasing. She can help connect you to the right type of lenders if you need you know, help with home improvement. Um, she can connect you to the right type of vendors like gardeners, landscapers. So you need help with the loans. She connects you with the lenders. You need help with the home improvement. She connects you with the vendors. That's her job. She just wants to make your life easier. She wants to check a lot of those boxes on things that you're probably not even really thinking about. So contact Cindy Carava, C-I-N-D-Y-C-A-R-A-V-A dot com. Let's finish up with This Week in Wrestling with Chad Cooper. Here it is, folks. Fight of the night. And trying to claim that belt once and for all. It's This Week's Wrestling Recap. All right, calm down. And here he is, your hometown hero, your reigning champ, the one and only Chad Cooper. It's time for another edition of This Week in Wrestling. Chad Cooper joins me to talk about everything going on in the world of AEW, WWE, Monday Night Raw, SmackDown, NXT, everything going on in the uh, the major wrestling world. And let's start with AEW this week because we're coming off an AEW pay-per-view and then AEW Dynamite on Wednesday. And Coop... As, as is the case with a lot of these AEW pay-per-views, I mean, overall, the card and a lot of the in-ring work is very good. Our complaint was just the build leading into the pay-per-view because it would have just made it even better. It, there would have been more eyes and more reasons to get invested in the uh, in the pay-per-view. But coming off of a show where we had a six-man tag on the pre-show, but we had Eight matches on the card, which was a little bit different because they normally would have like 13 or 14. They had an Iron Man match that went an hour and five minutes. And um, I'm going to run through the card and then we can talk about a sort of a little bit of it overall. Starks beat Jericho by pinfall. Uh, Jungle Boy Jack Perry beat Christian Cage in the final burial match. The House of Black beat the Elite. They win the Trios Championship. Jamie Hayter holds on to her Women's World Championship. Hangman Adam Page hangs John Moxley in a Texas death match. <laughs> Wardlow beats Samoa Joe by submission, and then he's going to lose just a few days later in a match where QT Marshall gets involved, which was just bizarre. And the Guns beat the Acclaimed, which I think was frustrating for a lot of the people. They beat the Acclaimed, they beat Jay Lethal and Jarrett, and they beat Orange Cassidy and Danhausen. But at least we get FTR coming back on dynamite, so maybe that'll help the tag division. And then shout out to MJF and Brian Danielson. That main event, Coop, that thing was fantastic. Uh, an hour and five minutes towards the end, it was dramatic. It was very well done, um, and they had a great main. And MJF did a, did a really good job. I don't have many complaints about that match in particular. A few things throughout the card that I think you know weird or could have been better, but 
it's always a pretty good in-ring product. We just want them to expand what they're doing so more eyes will see these products and build the stories a little bit better. Yeah, you know, uh, first and foremost, the main event, it was uh, it, it was all that it uh, was hyped up uh, to be. Um, I know there was a lot of questions going into it. You and I both thought that Daniel Bryan could walk out of there with the championship. Uh, he didn't. Um, so a very big question is what happens with Daniel Bryan? And you saw on Wednesday night, he said it's, he's going home. Um, MJF, I, it was a spectacular performance. What really is starting to bug me a little bit about MJF is, and he is what we used to compliment him for, but his promos have kind of taken a, a turn for, okay, pretty good, pretty, you know, very edgy. Um, I can't believe he said that to man. It started getting uh, a little annoying a little bit. I, I don't think all the cussing and the throwing stuff at kids, which, you know, come on guys, that was a plant. We know that. Um, I, and that's, that's the shock. Well, the shock value, I don't it's know gone with him. He he's like, yeah, you're right. And he's, he's smart enough and a good enough talker to where, I mean, I know, I know he's just leaning into being a real heel and trying to get everybody to hate him. And so that's what people will say. There's no real heels out there. He doesn't, he oh, just wants, but you know, what? he's a real, you know, let me stop you right there. I don't think he needs to do that. To that's what I'm telling you. He doesn't, he doesn't. Man. Well, let's, let's, for example, let's, let's take someone again, for example, that in my opinion has been one of the best heels in wrestling for the last 10 to 15 years. Everybody knows he's one of my personal favorites, but you don't ever see him going that far and crossing the line. But man, this guy gets booed and gets some of the most legit heat around. And that's the Miz. Sure. And they and they've gotten compared to each other. Sure. Before. They said, oh, you're just the Miz, which people were like, oh, the Miz, who is a multiple time champion who main evented WrestleMania, who has a gorgeous wife, who has a reality show. Like that's a bad thing to be the Miz, right? Like that <laughs> I love that that was like a put down and people were acting like that was a put down. But his, he, his, that that performance with Daniel uh, with Brian Danielson was incredible. I, I I think it put him on the he belongs in the top of the top wrestling for pound for pound rankings currently right now. It just did love him or hate him. It, it just did the antics. You know I don't know. It's um it is what it is. That's what we're gonna get. Um, I, what's the bigger question coming out of that main event for you? Who's next for MJF? Yeah, because they didn't or, really seem to set it up on on Dynamite on and Wednesday. No, and we'll get to Dynamite in a second, and, and I, I'm hoping we don't get to the way of Wardlow losing a title in one week after winning it and now being thrusted into the main event. But I'm kind of scratching my head to where we go with MJF. But you and I both said it. If Daniel Bryan lost this match, um, where does he go? Where does he go? And he's going to go home for a reset. And yeah. that, this is an interesting uh, You know, he's been going hard. You know, he's hardcore for, you know, he, he's been working a lot of matches. Yeah, he has. Um, he had so that gauntlet this, series, then an hour-long match here. And this, and that's, is, this that's, is an interesting take with uh, letting him go home and reset a little bit. And I think it's smart. We'll see if they miss him on uh, on TV each week, though, with the ratings. Well, then, you, you know, that's kind of the difference with MJF is that he doesn't wrestle very often. No, he doesn't. Right? So that hour-long match takes a lot out of him. But when's the next time we're going to see him wrestle? You know, when was the last time we saw him wrestle before that three weeks or a month before and before like, he does not wrestle much, which is a, a good thing for what they've done. But he's got more time to recover. Brian Danielson, you're you're not going to really have him out on the show if he's not wrestling. Right. That's that's his thing. So 
They're going to give him some time off now. It looks like Ricky Starks, who beat Chris Jericho, he was heading in a different direction. What I hated about the match, though, the match was fine. Everything about it was backwards from the beginning, the way it was booked, though. Yeah, like, yeah, Starks yeah. beat Jericho the first time. Then they had a stupid gauntlet thing that he didn't end up winning, but still came out and got a Jericho <laughs> match. Um, and then they have, like, Sammy Guevara trying to come to the ring when they're supposed to be banned from ringside. It's like, that's the stipulation, and they were going to go against it. Um, Ricky Starks ends up getting the win, and Ricky Starks is still... You know, he's he's over. But that's sort of the problem right now is you look at this group of baby faces and you have like Ricky Starks, Jungle Boy, Hangman Page and, you know, Wardlow, who of them feel like they're ready right now to be put up in the MJF storyline. We just saw Starks there not long ago. I don't think Jungle Boy's ready. If you put Hangman Page there and he loses, do you lose some of his momentum that he just built by beating Moxley? And like you said, with Wardlow. We just have him lose on TV. In we'll get to it in a second. It, it didn't look good. It, no, did, it didn't. It didn't look good. So I don't know. I don't know who's ready. Adam Cole's not going to be back for at least what three more weeks when his show right. debuts. Right. It feels we did, like we didn't it, get an answer Wednesday night. I just hope we're not going the way of Wardlow saying I don't need the TNT title because that that was that was almost like a burial. I mean, what the guy gets his. Title stolen during the day, right? Or, or he gets it week? stolen from his rental car. He has to show up and and borrow FTR's gear, and I think, <laughs> and he's wrestling like in their gear because his gear, everything got stolen out of his car. So then he gets beat, and when he gets when Wardlow ends up, so Wardlow wins against Samoa Joe, and on the pay per view that match, what was uh, unfortunate for that match, it came right after that Texas Death match, and it was sort of in like a dead spot. The crowd just did not get into it. Really, no. to the end. And you know what? They're starting to get what WWE gets after their banger type matches. And, and it just, it, it was, it's going to happen that you, you can't be uh, adrenaline. The whole time. Yeah, you can't be jacked up on adrenaline the entire time. So it's starting to happen a lot more. But unfortunately, it happened in that match and, and it was a let. It, it was. It was really anticlimactic. So Wardlow then on Dynamite, while we're talking about him, we can, uh, we can talk about how. He's in the main event against Powerhouse Hobbs. Now, this was very weird because last they, they've been building up Hobbs with, with videos. And then last week, they have him win a battle royal or he wins a ladder match. Poor guy got scared of heights. He didn't have a great time climbing that ladder either. If you, had, if you saw any of the videos of him trying to get up and get down, it wasn't great. But he's not on the pay-per-view. Wardlow, you have a storyline about him, his dad. His hair getting cut. He comes back. He wins for a few days and then loses it. This was just weird booking. Like, why not have, why even have Wardlow? I mean, you had, yeah, you had a number one contender match, like you said, before the pay per view. And I don't know. And they weren't wrestling at the pay per view. Do you think this was a punishment for him losing? Or him getting the title stolen? It can't be because that just happens to people. I mean, I know that. I've been a victim of of people breaking into my car multiple times throughout over the last couple of years, unfortunately. But I just, I hope this is not a way to get him into the main event right now with him. If it is, it's a terrible way you it's had, him, you could have just brought him back and had him squash people. We don't know for a month. Right. And then say MJF, I was the last guy to beat you. I'm going after you. Boom. That's easy. And then, you know, 
MJF could beat him in some cheap way and, and Wardlow could still come out of that looking strong. But he did not come out of this looking strong. So in the main event, these two guys are going at it. It's like a falls. First off, it's like a falls count anywhere match. I believe but that, yeah. they're so they're in the back, you know, fighting all over and they're out. They're out on the um, uh, on the stage right by the entranceway. And then here comes QT Marshall. What was really weird about this is the announcers are trying to tie it together. They're like, hey, remember he said I owe you one that one time? <laughs> like, he said it, I owe you one. It's like, what? Yeah, he said, I always have your back. I got you. It's like, what? I don't remember this at all. You know, like, anyways, they have QT Marshall help MJF. What looks like they, they like, throw Wardlow into, like, off the stage. And he lands on what seemed like a foam pad. I mean, they do this type of thing really poorly. Like, how, why do you have it set up so poorly where, like, he falls through and then it's like, oh, he's on a mattress there. Like, it just didn't look, it didn't look like it was something that was brutal. And that's our final image of this week. We have QT Marshall and Hobbs on Wednesday night standing tall with Wardlow laying out and I like, where are you going to go with him now? Yeah, that was just, that was just bizarre booking there. There, you, There's no defense for, I mean, we're, we're calling it like it is. It's just, I mean, you're coming off a, a, a pay-per-view, which the week before you had really low ratings. We dipped in the low eight hundreds and you have a pay-per-view that wasn't their strongest, but it was probably one of their best main events. Uh, I think you and I both agree on that. That's probably one of their best main events. Oh yeah, it was very good. I mean that that belongs that match belongs up there. There's match not the a lot of really sure. good. There's not a lot of really good Iron Man matches because there was at one time there was a lot of promotions doing them. But the top two or three probably of recent memory that that's definitely uh, one of those. Absolutely. And then you this this is what we walk away with on Wednesday night was this, and it was just really really bizarre. Um, if you're not gonna have a if you're not going to have the number one contender guy uh, for MJF, um, I don't know if this is the right booking for this show because their next pay-per-view is the end of May. It's a double or nothing. It's May 28th. So we've got uh, two months, two and a half months um, for that. Um, I don't know. Miro, I'm just trying to think in my head who could come back and take a run at MJF. I just really hope it's not the Wardlow deal, and I have a little gut feeling that it that it might be, but it would just be a bizarre way of doing it. I just didn't like the way the show ended last on Wednesday night. No, it was a bad way to get there. Um, so Starks looks like he's going to be involved with Tony Storm's uh, hubby, uh, Juice Robinson. Juice, sure. w- they pulled a trick here uh, to, to to screw with everyone. So m- a lot of people have been expecting Jay White to show up in either AEW or WWE. Jay White is apparently done with New Japan Wrestling as of now. Jay White, who is a longtime member of the Bullet Club. So they flash the Bullet Club logo up on the screen before Juice comes out, and everyone was like, oh, Jay White? Oh, and then it was Juice Robinson. And it was like, <laughs> and not that it was it's bad or anything, but it definitely was a swerve, as uh, it, it looks like that's a direction they'll be going for Ricky Starks, at least for uh, for the time Coming, we then had uh, Jungle Boy get the win over Christian. Hey, you know what? This was pretty good for him. Like he he was super intense here. He was kind of having to deal with that like 
am I going too far? But I, I have to, I have to really cross the line in order to beat someone like Christian. And um, it went 15 minutes. It was a good, it was a good showing for Jungle Boy. Yeah, it was. Um, I, you know what? Jungle Taker is that what you call Jungle them? Taker, baby? <laughs> jungle, the Jungle Taker. Yeah. Um, so. it, yeah, you know we're 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 done with the feud, which was you know it was long overdue, but you know there there's a mulligan on that, guys. Uh, I mean, there was an injury with Christian that this probably should have been over later, but uh, it worked. Um, Where do you go you with him ju- now? Could you see Jungle Boy being thrusted up into that main event as we wait around for? Like a TV match, yeah. Sure. Like I could see, sure. I could see it like next month on TV. Jungle Boy wins like a battle royal or something, you know, and he's gonna face MJF one on one, and not maybe not at double or nothing for the big one, because who? Yeah, it's it, it doesn't seem like right now there's that logical natural challenger for MJF out there. The one guy who I'd like to see Coop, and I think we might be going there now. So on the pay-per-view, we had the House of Black beat the Elite. Awesome match. Great stuff. Just wish they would have had any build for it. Like, they literally yeah. had yeah. zero build for this match. It, it was put together days before. So there was no promos, like, nothing for this. But it seems like now, on Dynamite, we've got the Jericho Appreciation Society, now a trio, with Jericho and with Garcia and with Guevara. They call out the House of Black. And they get interrupted by the elite. So next week in Canada, we're going to have a triple threat match between the House of Black, the Jericho Appreciation Society, and the elite. And that's going to be for the tag team or for the trios titles. I think where we need to go is the elite don't win this match and they're out of the trios now. And then yes. Kenny Omega goes back to singles. I want to see Kenny Omega versus MJF at double or nothing. I want to see. I want to see the Young Bucks versus FTR at Double or Nothing. Well, that's that's a very good possibility here. Um, You do have them out of the trios. They come out of a loss, but they get back into the tag team picture. Yep. Um, Kenny Omega and MJF would be very salty for for a memorial. Is that Memorial Day weekend? Or am I? I think so. Yeah, yeah. Right, the end of May. Yeah, I think so. Okay, so you're you're talking a big Memorial Day weekend match with Omega. And uh, MJF to kick off the summer. That, that that's good booking there. That's if you really think though your biggest matches that you have, more than Hangman Page, more than Wardlow, more than a Jungle Boy, more than a Ricky Starks, more than any of these baby faces that you have, Kenny Omega would feel like the biggest one to go for after sure, MJF. For sure, one hundred percent. Especially a big pay per view like that. You need a name in that main event with him. I'm sorry, Miro doesn't do it. It doesn't make sense. I tried. Um, and I love Miro. Miro would be fine for me to me come too. back and win his uh, TBS title or TNT <laughs> title. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, or yeah. or even get back to get to the main event soon. But it's as far better as, with him in it for sure. And yeah, I just think we saw the uh, we saw FTR show up because the Guns won the the tag team title match at the pay per view. Yes. But FTR shows back up. They uh, cut a promo. These guys are over, man. They are crazy over. They got the biggest pop of the night. And they basically told the guns, we're coming after you. We're going to get those titles back. And I would, I would love for them to win the titles in the, the next few weeks on TV. And, and then yeah, don't put them in singles match, put bubble wraps around them. Right. Yes. They, they've been tricking yes. with the injury bug for bad for, luck. their career. I bad know. Knock them up. The only, the next match they work needs to be the title match. Exactly. Exactly. 
and and I want them beating the guns, and then I want them and and th- they need to try. I don't think I just don't feel like they've ever said what are the biggest matches we have right now. Let's go make them right. It's almost like they're always putting stuff on the back burner for later, and and we talk about that like, man, Cody Rhodes, Cody's gone, Punk is gone, like all these people that you. Oh, let's save this. Let's save this. Let's save this. Stuff happens. People get hurt. Weird things happen. Guys leave. Gals leave. Like, and all of a sudden, those matches aren't a possibility anymore. Strike while you can. And I would love to see that. What do you think about what's going on with the um, the women's division right now? We had Jamie oh, Hader pick up the win, and um, and then after the match, Ruby Soho turns, and Ruby Soho is now. In the group with Soraya and Tony Storm. So they're heels. And on Dynamite, Ruby cut a promo. Now, I don't know. The promo was fine. Um, I think it was, you know, there were spots where it could have sounded str- like a little bit better or stronger. You but she got a lot of heat. You didn't like the neck beard comment? <laughs> no, no, not at all. But I will say she was getting she was getting heat for turning on. You know, Jamie, because the crowd loves Jamie Hayter. They really sure. do. And they they love Britt Baker, too. So I, you know, I'm, I'm not really sure what our direction is. It, like, do we think it, does Ruby? Ruby, get, Ruby does, does Ruby get it? I don't does know. I mean, she, next title shot? she should maybe get the title shot. I don't know if she wins it, but it, she was better in, I will say, while it wasn't perfect, I felt like she was better here than she's been as a baby face i mean after yeah, that look, first I, I, yeah I, I i know where you're going with this the promo was a little clunky but i did appreciate one of the lines is hey when i got here and as soon as i lost to Britt baker you people cheered for Britt right baker. And she was and saying real that's stuff true. That's she was true, saying real stuff you, you booed you know me against that's... willow and you booed me against jamie Hayter, and you booed me and what did i do well right exactly it's the it's what the company did to her you know so she does fit this mold better I don't know what it does to the women's division. I just don't get the spray painting stuff. We've been there, done that, you know, NWO, DX. I, I just, I don't get it. I just don't know where you go next because I was dead set on Soraya here winning this title. We thought, yeah, we both thought it would, it was the moment for her, but they have a story going with, uh, with Ruby now. So let's would see. You, would you, I mean, we did get a promo. From uh, your girl, um, what, what's what's the, she's the uh, the TBS Jade. Women, Jade. She said, "Hey, look, I'm 53 and 0, you know, and I, I'm coming to Canada next week, and I'm gonna Canada's best. Do you see her? Or just that's just not in the same playing field right now. It seems like they're not even in the same zip code. They don't even. You're right. It's like they're not even on the same show. There's no world. Not, like there's no there's crossover, not. but." She's got to be getting in. She has to get involved, uh, Jade, with that level of women, with the Tony, Soraya, Britt. Like, she's never really interacted with them. It's yeah, all, it's true. like, That's right. it's so weird. Like, how how do you not have her ever even interact with either positively or negatively, like, the, the major, major women in the division? It's just bizarre. It is. I don't know where. I, I, zero. I have no idea where to where they're going with this. The next title shot. I no. guess it comes from one of the three. I mean, they. I mean, I don't know. I guess she probably gets the next title shot. It'll probably be on TV again. And again, if you're building to your your big show, 
doesn't doesn't it feel like you'd want Britt? Like I, I feel like you still want Britt there because Jamie's Britt over. Britt would have to turn, right? Right? Is is she turn or does the the title go to one of the heels and then to Britt? Britt wins like the we're back. saying, like maybe it's maybe to Ruby, Good. and then you have that match at Double or Nothing where you have a babyface Britt Baker be crowned as the champ. Very well could. We're we're fantasy booking here a lot, you know what I mean. This is a, but hey, I think I, I think I might be able to do a better job than than TK has some of the time. I, I think so. Do a better. You do a lot better job of him on Twitter. I was gonna say, hey, thanks everyone for watching AEW Dynamite. Last night. I we'll appreciate all pocket, of you. Pocket tweeting. I appreciate. Those were all in his drafts, and they just was, went out all at once. And they all went out at once. No service, and then they were all delayed. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, a couple other things to point out from uh, from Dynamite. Does Orange Cassidy like have it in his contract now that he opens the show? This is four you know, weeks in like, a row. Uh, yeah, you know, I just think the character. Look, I did appreciate the the pyro. Only like a few pyro coming out. That is that is funny. I just think the character. We jumped the shark with his gimmick a while. I, I thought instead of him just walking out with best friends every week and being the third wheel in a tag match, I thought this was the OC we got. Now. Not only did we get, you know, OC opening the show with four straight title defenses, he's got a new title, right, Gino? They changed the name of it now. It's the all-international title instead of the all-Atlantic title because they want to defend it in uh, Canada next week. So, I mean, he's an entertaining guy. It just seems weird that for a month straight, you have him in the opening part of the show and it's and it's not even like he's part of like a real storyline or anything right. he's kind of having a random matches with people and, and yeah and we're getting him versus jeff jarrett right so you think jet double j wins that title double j maybe I mean, wait, is, there, is there a reason why it's called the international other than them wanting to defend it in canada is, no is, is there that's another it. title that's kind of closely worded that it's in that's another it. you know intercontinental but whatever mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, just kind of uh, finishing up with Dynamite, we talked about Starks and Juice. We talked about uh, Ruby coming out with her promo. We uh, we spoke about FTR returning. What and... do we do with Hangman Page? That that chapter's over. Well, he it's funny. He says to to Renee, Renee this I'm is, sorry. This is, this is, <laughs> I'm sorry. And then he says this is over. And then a few minutes later, he goes out and saves the Dark Order. Right. Against Moxley and them, I, I and, and that just seems like we're getting another TV match with all those involved. I know, don't and like it, it. It 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 does pull Hangman down a little bit being around it the does, Dark Order. Man, I'm sorry, it does. It does. It does. It's just it's just fact. Like, and you feel like he kind of was beyond. It, it's not like he has to turn on them, but him going out there to save them again. I think for most people, we kind of felt like Hangman was going to be the next guy pushed up to MJF, and now it doesn't. Seem it like that. Seem like that. No, it doesn't. Not after Wednesday. But right you know, now, it change quickly. Yeah, we spoke about Jericho Appreciation Society. Tony Khan cut the promo uh, on the uh, <laughs> the AEW All Atlantic Championship. That's now the International Championship. And um, yeah, the Black Club Combat Pool or the uh, Blackpool Combat Club is going basically a BCC. They're basically heels now. Moxley and and Claudio were not relinquishing the holds in after winning a match. And um, so they are, uh, looks like they're getting the heel turn. We're going to get an MJF re-bar mitzvah 
next week. That should oh, that should be uh, intriguing. And uh, that was a look at AEW for this week between their pay per view and Dynamite. We had some really fun stuff in the WWE this week on SmackDown. We really we got the first interaction between Cody Rhodes and Roman Reigns in the ring. And man, Roman was great here. He like lays the belts out and he says, hey, you know, uh, you ever challenged for either one of these, you know, and he's just talking to him. You, you ever had that? You ever challenged for either one of these? He talks all about Dusty, how Dusty told Roman that he has it and that Dusty never even mentioned Cody. So he, he took it personally. And Cody says, OK, so it's one of those things where Dusty's kids, he likes more than Dusty's actual kids. And that <laughs> fired Cody up quite a bit. And um, yeah, I mean, it was a good it was it was really good between these two for the first time in the ring together, setting up the story. And I think for any of the concerns that we might have had a month ago, where is the crowd maybe going to turn on Cody? That's not happened at all. They've been very much behind him in every way. It doesn't seem like there's any worry or any like fans that are out there chanting Sami Zayn during their promos or anything like that. No, no, they, they did a pretty good job of it. And, and yeah, I, they have. And Co- and you know what? Cody deserves a lot of that credit. I mean, he, he, he addressed it in that first promo after uh, Elimination Chamber. You know, he addressed it. And after Friday night and definitely after Monday night, and we'll talk about that main event, you talk about pulling at heartstrings. Um, I, I, after Friday and Monday, I, I, I think it's it's laid to rest that it's, it's Cody Roman and all systems go there and we're yep. for it. So that is uh, uh that's a good start for these two on their continued build for the first time, really, that we saw them in the ring together. We had uh, Rhea Ripley versus Liv Morgan. This was great because, you know, these two are our friends. They know each other well. They were a tag team. They have good chemistry. Um, Liv had to tap out after what about nine, ten minutes there was a little girl in the audience that Rhea made cry. Did you see this? <laughs> I did. Yeah, yeah, because Andrew, I think Andrew shared it in our uh, in the group. Then there was a girl in the audience that um, Rhea made cry because of what she did to Liv. So after the match, Liv was able to get the invite the girl backstage, and she said, "Oh, I know you were so sad. I just wanted to bring you back and uh, say I'm okay, and we're gonna get her next time. And you know, in in eight years, you have to come over here, and we're gonna be the tag team champions. So I'm like, <laughs> until it, it was a cool moment. And you wonder why she's so popular, and she's yeah. on TV every yep. week. I, that that's that's it right there. I mean, she's grown into something where this is this is perfect. She doesn't need to have a championship to be a superstar. No, because she's at the top of her game, man. She the you know what the, we've we've gotten sort of confused the last few years because we've had some of these really long title reigns, but those are from heels. Baby yep. faces didn't usually have really long title reigns. The baby face was always chasing. Sure. He'd win at the big event and then you'd lose it back pretty soon and the heel would have it. And then you chase, chase, chase the money's in the chase. And then you win it back at the big event. And um, for Liv, this was good. And then Rhea put the girl's crying face as her Twitter profile, <laughs> with the little girl's crying face. So uh, just good work all around here. We had Sami Zayn versus Solo Sokoa and, um, or that was going to come a little bit later on on the show. First up, we had Dominic Mysterio get a win over Santos because we did get some uh, interference and distraction there from Rhea Ripley. But this was fun with Dominic and Rhea at SmackDown. They got into it with Escobar, and um, and then 
Dominic stole the Rey Mysterio mask afterwards and he ripped it apart. So kind of continuing on uh, the build there, Rey's music hits and he's told Dominic not to disrespect the mask and, uh, and Dominic ends up hitting Rey. So we're on the way, we're on the build and for Dominic, it's at the best point that he's ever been in his career to finally have that match with his dad. Yeah, I think it's a, uh, it's, it's a match that's probably going to be given a decent amount of time. Uh, as of now, I don't know who I want to go over. I would assume dad goes over right now for booking right, uh, right this very minute. Uh, but the story start starting to be told, um, what we're about a month or so away. We're about what, four five, six weeks away from, from the two night spectacular over there near your backyard. Uh, this will have a good story over the next several weeks and uh, kudos to Dom, man. He's been able to, uh, <laughs> to do a lot of stuff outside the ring. Him and Ripley uh, have been uh, spectacular, man. The IC title will be in an interesting spot. Now we're going to have yeah. a match coming up with uh, first Drew McIntyre comes out and he wanted, you know, he wanted uh, a shot at the IC title. And then Seamus interrupts him, says, come on, man, you know, I want that title. Like, come on, buddy. And then following that L a night, let me talk to you. Yeah. Yeah. L a night in the ring with all of them. He then gets interrupted by, uh, Kofi and Xavier. Uh, so they come out to the ring and then following that it was carry and cross. So everybody wants a shot at the IC title. We did find out coming out of this, they were going to have a, uh, a like a five-way match next week, but Kofi got hurt. Sure. So I don't think he's going to be in that match now. So they'll probably just end up having it be a four-way on SmackDown. But this should be pretty fun. Drew, Sheamus, LA Knight, and Karrion Cross battling it out for who gets to face Gunther at WrestleMania. Where do you think they go? I just think it's, uh, I don't know, but I'm excited for it. Uh, it, it's, uh, it seems like it's been a while since this title has had a lot of significance. I'm not downplaying former, uh, and previous champions. I well, last think, year, wasn't the U S title and the IC title not defended. Right. Remember Ricochet and, was the champ. Right. And, and who was the intercontinental champion? I uh, think it was Ricochet was the IC champ. And I think the, uh, the U S champ, um, was, was Finn, Smackdown. was it Balor? It was, it was uh, that or, or Shins? No, Shinsuke. Shinsuke had it, right? Yeah. It was on SmackDown. So they weren't even defended um, last year. So the fact that we're going to have major matches for the U.S. title and the IC title this year is fun because I think Drew, Sheamus would fit. Either one of them fits fine. It feels like oh, it's yeah. probably Drew, though, right? Yeah. That's the, yeah. what we've heard. I, I, and, and this is one area I want to stay away from a three-way. Me too. Uh, I, I just it takes too much away from from too much talent that you have. It needs to be a one on one scenario. I'm fine with either. I think him and Drew probably uh, have the better build and would be a little bit more bigger. Not to take anything away from Sheamus because that dude's a banger. Any whoever he works, but I, I think Drew Gunther is a great baby face versus Hill for this title and a lot of significance too. Like I said, as you mentioned, I didn't think. Uh, over the last couple of years, the IC title has 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 been justified at all. And the last year, you're right, when not being on the show, uh, this is really big for it. So I, I'm excited. Drew and Guther would wet my whistle for sure. We had Tegan Knox pick up a quick win over Shayna. Ronda was hurt, 
And I think they're just kind of continuing to build to something for the tag titles. But I'm, I'm, I'm not sure what they're going to do here because now the tag titles are on Becky and Lita. And they're going to be in a six-women tag match yeah. at WrestleMania. Do we see something like Becky and Lita do both nights? Do we see something like the Friday yeah. night maybe before Mania? Know. We and talked then... about this last week. We said, could you, could you afford to not have Ronda Rousey? Or not afford. We know they can. But would it be better to have Ronda on WrestleMania than not have Ronda? And sure. it looks like we're not going to have Ronda. I know. And we'll see if Could be the change. night after all that they defend those titles and lose. You know? In the, uh, in the coming weeks, um, we had Bobby Lashley. He said Bray Wyatt doing the muscle man dance, his weakness. <laughs> he came to a SmackDown to see him. And then Ooh. Uncle Howdy. Comes out. I was waiting. I mean, this is yeah. this is definitely Bo, right? Sure. Just sure. like the mannerisms and stuff. I was like, I was studying his mannerisms. I was like, this is Bo Dallas for sure. So, I just wonder how long we can go with this before we go. There's got to be. That's the problem. There's never a payoff with the Bray Wyatt stuff. No, and that's what frustrates me with him, especially me since too. he's been back. There's no payoff. It doesn't lead to anything, even if it's funny or silly or entertaining or not. There's just no. It's like there's no end to things. I don't understand, and and we need to have some sort of a build to to something. We had Sammy versus Solo, and they actually Solo pick up the win based on Jimmy getting involved there, and they've had, they've kept Solo pretty clean for a lot. I think he actually had a loss on Monday after this, but it's the first one I think is a thing. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and Sammy up. after the match um, is getting beat up by Solo and Jimmy, and they're screaming and. Then Sammy is able to fight back. He kind of throws the chair at, at Solo, and he's going to hit Jimmy, um, but it's just a little bit too much for him. He's finally able to escape through the crowd while everyone's watching, uh, and, and Roman's kind of pissed off watching about it. So that was another really good SmackDown. I mean, they just really been rolling good. on Yeah, on they SmackDown. are. They're strong ratings. Just has been a strong show for, for several years now. We go to Monday Night Raw. This was a big one. It was. And it was a good show. There was just a lot of good all throughout the show. We had, first up, the Chevy driving in, the Suburban, with Jimmy (laughs) Uso and Solo Sokoa. Paul Heyman reminds him, um, your orders are to solve the Sami Zayn problem. And he said, Solo is going to solve the Kevin Owens problem. So we open with Solo Sokoa versus Kevin Owens, and we close with Sami Zayn versus Jimmy Uso. Winner. After about 11 minutes, uh, Kevin Owens, Jimmy Uso, uh, um, gets involved. Kevin Owens was about to win the match, and then Jimmy Uso um, attacks him. So KO wins by DQ. And after the match, two-on-one, they're beating down KO. And here comes Sami Zayn for the save. They run off. Crowd's chanting for Sami. Sami goes over to Kevin, and Owens just rolls out of the ring. He doesn't want anything to do with him. And they they talk more backstage and Kevin Owens is still bitter. He says, you know, why don't you just go back to the bloodline? They'll probably take you back. You know, I'm, I'm sure if you go grovel to Roman, they are really going slow burn with this. Story. Let, let, let me bring up some wrestling fan stuff here. I've been waiting to talk about this with you. Okay. Let's, let's talk. We don't know what's, are we for sure? know that this is really happening and just we're really slow does it need to be this slow 
Are we no. for sure? No, it feels a little too slow for me. Yeah, I don't, I don't like it. I now, I now, I this is what I kind of thought on Monday watching this, and we're not to the main event yet, right? So I thought, okay, wow, man, Sammy has really cooled off in a matter of a week. I mean, he's still there, people still excited. KO's not his friend. We don't have a direction right now. Um, man, Cody just seems now like he's the super main event. And uh, Sammy is just the, what was the cool popular guy. And now we've had a new guy come in, a move in, a new recruit came in and, and took his spot. I just like, uh, don't know if this is the best way to do it. I'm not saying you have to say, yeah, we're buddies now. Let's go get them. But man, it just, it's awkward. It's awkward to see KO and Sammy. It's really awkward. I agree. And it, it it almost feels like you wonder if they wanted to cool him off a little bit on purpose. Right? Because of what we were saying. Uh, that, like That's a good point. Like, and, and like, we don't want him to be quite as hot and, and, and maybe get some of those cheers in the main event. But they've still been having him on TV. But it's been – it just seems like each week now – we haven't had a lot of development now for a few weeks in a row. Like they've had the same conversation a couple different times now about how he's mad, he's frustrated. And then at the end of the, sh- at the end, after Sammy saved Kevin Owens, when Sammy Zayn gets the win over Jimmy Uso, um, because basically because of some distraction from Jay after the match, incredible storytelling. Oh man. Sammy and Jay are standing next to each other in the aisle and, they look like they're, you know, they're going to be united. And then Jey Uso turns and just starts beating down on Sammy. They actually have a hug first. We got the a fans, hug. We got a hug, then a super kick, right? The fans love it. And then after the hug, super kick. And Jay uh, screams, says, you thought I would choose you. And they attack him in the ring. But Cody Rhodes comes out for the save. And so see, no, you know what? This is really smart, though. I like this because yes. it easily. This, this was set up that everyone thought, okay, KO's making the save. He can't see yep. his buddy, but no, here comes Cody. So that was smart. It was very smart for them to do that. Let's keep rolling along. So uh, that was the end of of Monday Night Raw, but in the middle of Monday Night Raw, we had uh, a few other things that happened. First up, we oh, we had the big uh, we had the big return of John Cena. Now, <laughs> this has been sort of um controversial and some people have loved it and some people have him. John Cena comes out, he cuts his promo, he just eviscerates Austin Theory. I mean, he absolutely eviscerates this guy. He says you're nothing. You know, first he comes out big pop Austin Theory interrupts him, and Theory says, you know, I'm going to give you a gift. I want to challenge you for the U.S. championship at WrestleMania. Cena says no. No. He said, you you haven't earned the right to give this. And he just blasts him. Now, Cena's awesome. The promo was very entertaining and, and fantastic. I will say there were a couple parts of it where I was like, you know, Austin Theory's got a pretty good resume. He's not sure. a nobody. Like he's already defeated yeah. like Lashley and Rollins, Seth Rollins. And, <laughs> and he's been the US title, he's been a US champ multiple times. So some of the things that he was saying were like, I don't know. He's a little bit better than you're say- than you're talking, but as far as his delivery 
And he was just acting like this was his little brother that's like, dude, you are not in my league. Get the hell out of here. This was. And the, really, the only thing Theory could say was, hey, your bald spot. And Cena just took his hat off and played with it. Hey, I'm in the same boat as Cena. I've got a great head of hair, except that one spot, Gino. Okay, I'm not Italian. I don't have the locks like you and all the rest of those Californians uh, and, and all these great locks that, that, that these big TV guys that, that y'all have. I have the same Cena spot. I have the same spot. So me and Cena are in the same boat. Okay? Lay off the bald spot. I know. If that's all you got is the bald spot, that's not like <laughs> It so, was a little weak. So, you mean, uh, some people didn't like the, the promo because they thought it was a little too harsh, a little too much, and he didn't give enough. But I think it'll be different. I think we will end up here with, like, at the end of this, see, it'll come down to Cena putting him over and giving him and showing oh, him the respect, right? Like what, he's going to oh, talk yeah, about the, the, the torch will be passed. Uh, you know, I, I thought what a couple of weeks ago, we talked about this, that we could see Cena winning this title and uh, giving it back up to somebody. Now I, I think the opposite after Monday night, I think theory goes over. Um, now it will be interesting to see over the next six weeks, how often John Cena will appear. Will we see vignettes of these two? Will theory be a part of shows? Uh, segments will he work matches? Uh, because it's him and Cena now for the title, so he can't be in a title shot. And is like, uh, you know, we get the old, well, if uh, if so and so wins the title, it's him and John Cena instead of Theory. I, you know, it, it, it's it'll be interesting to see how many segments that Cena has cut over the next couple of weeks or will cut and keep this feud going, keeping it pretty good and hot. We'll see. I think probably Theory attacks him at least once. Maybe the go home show or yeah. over the next couple of weeks he shows up on set wherever at a movie. At. Yep, I agree. Yeah. He'll show up somewhere where he's filming I, something. I, I think he gets that laugh and the last laugh, and I do think he goes over because he's got to get personal with he's Cena got to now. Get personal because Cena got really personal with and him. and he couldn't say anything. He did it. No, he was just no. like, "Oh crap!" Ball you know, spot. it was just uh, ball spot. <laughs> but a big deal just standing in the ring with Cena like that. That's a big deal for, for yeah, someone is. like Theory. And the uh, crowd was pretty hot. The crowd They was were hot. hot. And that's what and Cena did a great job of turning it around and saying, Do you want me to wrestle Theory? Well, the crowd wants it. I never let them down. You know, that was that was good stuff from Cena. One of our favorite things going right now, Carmella and Chelsea Green. <laughs> These are future Who women's tag team champions. They Who are ever thought. This is fantastic. They're they're just like a team of Karens that want to complain, that think they're just gorgeous, and which they are, but they, they, are. they think they deserve every single thing. And, oh, it's it's like nails on a chalkboard, but like the opposite. You know what yeah. I mean? It's like it's, yeah. it's just great. You watch it, and you just can't help but smile. So Bianca gets the win, um, but we're going to have Bianca uh, against Chelsea coming up this week. And it's 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 really good for both of these women to be involved with the main eventers of WrestleMania yeah. Um, yeah. just on TV in segments with them every week. Chelsea just instantly feels like she's just a, like a, a perfect part of the roster. Like she's just slid right in and it's like, wow, she feels like she's been here for months. Yeah. Look, she could have been another Aaliyah. Right. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and I'm not comparing Aaliyah to either Candice LeRae, but look at Candice LeRae and, and Chelsea. Um, it, well, especially just... with the way she was brought back for, 
a, a like a humiliating elimination. Sure, and that's at the hard. Rumble. And that's hard to overcome, even with even with an interesting storyline gimmick. The next night, you know, a lot of fans once they turn sour on you, they turn sour, and that's it. It's kind of like the position that Karrion Cross is still in. I mean, it is honestly. Uh, he still hasn't been able to to find that gear with the WWE universe, but this is just perfect. And her getting sprayed with the green mist and just if you're not following her on Twitter and her daily complaints to oh man to Scrap Daddy Adam Pierce, so good. But it's, it's it's grace, it's grace. And then would you believe it, Logan Paul, who is a heel in real life, wanted to be a babyface in WWE. But when he's finally a heel, he's amazing. This, no, was, right? this is so great. It's like, it is. In ring, he was always good. The problem that Logan had when it was when he would try to cut these babyface promos because the crowd hated the guy. He he his whole gimmick in real life in boxing, him and his brothers thing have been that they're like the heels. So why would he come into to uh, wrestling and think he would be a great babyface when being a heel is so natural to him? He knew exactly what to do and say, and you're just like, it, it felt like Jerry the King Lawler in Memphis. You know what I mean? Like, it was like just an old school heel that was perfect. It even reminded me a little bit of Andy Kaufman oh, when yeah. he was doing yeah. some of that stuff. It Just, he does all the, the simple tropes, but he just has heat, and he says to Seth, man, I'm better than you at your job already in just a year. You know, like... I'm already having big matches at WrestleMania. I get to pick what I want to do. He just, he's such a <laughs> cocky son of a bitch, right? You just want to see him get popped in the face. Man, I'm telling you, whoever has to go after this match at WrestleMania is going to be in trouble. And they said night one. Yeah, this, this for this is. one. I, I, yeah, you can open the show with this thing. I think you do. I, I'm good because I'm going to be there for night one. Um, Look at you, big timer. So, yeah, so I'm going to Mania night one. Um, Look at you. I, I know, actually, and you know what? I'm going to the, uh, the on March the 31st, the night before, the um, the Ring of Honor, Supercard of Honor show is Ooh. at the Galen Center uh, at USC, where they play. So what my sister do? got tickets for me because she used to work over at USC, so I just asked her if she could see if she could. She's like, no problem, and it's a really cool So I'm going to be going sure. Friday night, Supercard of Honor at the Galen Center. Saturday, I'll be at SoFi. WrestleMania. Hall of Fame, Night Hall of Fame, Stand and Deliver, Hall of Fame. Inducted into the Hall of Fame. <laughs> yes, here. you are. Yes, you uh, are. As, um, the Miz did a really good job in this too, just being the Miz, you know, like just like instigating stuff. And then um, the Miz is also going to be the host of WrestleMania, which will be good. I'm sure he'll get a chance to get like probably – slammed by gable stevenson or something like that right Somebody, like he'll yeah. somebody coming in he'll take a bump or two from someone throughout the show and god lad logan paul is going to be great logan paul versus rollins did you notice that um ambrose or uh, moxley did the stomp i did, in, in his match? I did. a lot of people thought for that too that yeah, yeah that he, he did the stomp for his old buddy uh his old buddy rollins that's oh, cool you know what i, I, I like that. Me as too. much crap as I've given Moxley about bleeding like a stuck pig over the last two years, that was cool. Well, and I love it in matches that are like big matches that are um, Edge and Christian used to do that, where they would use each other's moves in big matches sometimes, where it's like Edge couldn't use the spear against uh, Ziggler one time. He had a match against at Royal Rumble, and Vicky Guerrero uh, was with Ziggler, and they wouldn't let Edge use the spear. So he had to use Christian's move. 
Um, he, you know, he used the unprettier, I think, and yeah, it was, yeah. it was cool. So, um, I, I, I always get a kick out of that. How about Omos beating Ziggler in like 30 seconds? Uh, like poor, poor guy Ziggler. why do you put Z- Dolph here? I know that Dolph's got know. like a weird side storyline going with, uh, Mustafa Ali. Yeah. And he was in the audience, like I'm Dolph's number one fan or something like that. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It, it, this feels sort of like a story that they're telling on like main event or a different show that we're not seeing as much of, you know, and it's, yeah, this was poor for Dolph, but Brock Lesnar versus Omos at WrestleMania. Hey, we've got the maximum male models, Maxine Dupree (laughs) and Corbin was trying to get in with the, with the male models. Corbin is just hit rock bottom again. It's time for him to go back to be the lonesome loser again. He's got to go back to being that loser. He really does. (laughs) And uh, she uh, she tells him, yeah, if you beat Chad Gable, you can be part of the Maximum Male Models. But Gable actually ends up picking up the win later on, which is nice because we see Gable losing in a lot of those matches. And I think this could be kind of intriguing for Gable right now. He's sort of in a fun spot. Like I saw a couple people post, wouldn't he be a cool king of the ring? Yeah. They That's have coming that. up, right? They announced up. It, uh, king and queen of the ring. So the next following wrestlemania night one and two which are in california at sofi the next three wwe shows are all out of the country wow uh saudi arabia uh puerto rico and then um london i believe right they they go yes. back to the uk again yes so the the um after wrestlemania the next u.s based wwe premium live event is SummerSlam. Ooh. all the way which is wow. which is which is really cool for them to go to different countries like that. This is going to be for three different ones. Sure. Big shows too. bad. Bunny's going to be involved in the one in Puerto Rico. I guess Puerto Rico is not a different country, right? It's a territory, but different places like that, um, that they, that they very rarely have been. I think the last time they, they had a show like a live event in Puerto Rico, they said it was like 2005 maybe, but um, really cool that they're going to have some big events all around the world. So Finn Balor, Johnny Gargano, and these two guys were having a, a like a solid match as you would expect, but it was more about the the story with Edge. Edge comes out during the match. Um, the Judgment Day are waiting for him to come through the uh, to come through down the aisle. But Edge comes from the crowd and he helps Gargano win. So Gargano gets a win, which is nice. But what was very weird after that, Edge is in the back and he's cutting a promo afterwards, and he. <laughs> He sort of, I don't know if he really meant to, but he just throws Gargano under the bus. He's like, <laughs> yeah, you know what, Finn? We're even. You you cost me a match that I was going to win, and I cost you a match that you were definitely going to win. No no, no disrespect, Johnny Gargano. It's like, <laughs> when, when someone says no disrespect, you know they're about to disrespect the hell out of you. You know what I mean? Right? Yeah. The disrespect is a coming right after. Um just a squash match for Piper Niven, which was weird. Cause then they didn't have Candace out there at all with Nikki. And they've been telling that story with kind of with Nikki and Candace recently. So that, I don't know. I thought that was, it was just a squash for, uh, for Piper Niven, Rick Boogs and Elias in the back. So these two guys, I don't know what the hell we're going to see from these two guys, but it'll be a fun, uh, a fun concert or two at some point. So next week it's going to be Elias versus Bronson Reed. On Monday Night Raw. A couple more things on the Raw show. Becky Lynch and Lita came out. So they they did 
finalize and set up the six woman tag for WrestleMania. It's going to be damage control versus Becky, Lita, and Trish. What do you think about the direction going there? Well, you know, I have no problem with it. I'd, I'd like to see the tag titles being defended, but, you know, you have some older uh, superstars there with Lita and Trish. I, I think it's going to be a really fun match. Um, I have no qualms with it. I'm okay. I, I'd rather see titles being defended, but this was probably the next best best thing. Trish Stratus is number one on the list for me. Um, all time, Chelsea Green is uh, a 1B if I had to uh, if do that. But Trish has al- always been my favorite, and she just has found the fountain of youth. She's... She looks better now than she did you know, 15 years ago. I don't know what it is, but it really looked cool to see Trish do the satisfaction. Uh, Lita's going to do what this, uh, the Swanton off the top rope. There's going to, it, it's going to be really fun. Th- this is the type of match that you can put behind one of a, a super hot type match and, and be okay and get away with it because you have a lot of big names in this match. Bailey's good for what it is. You know, I guess if you don't, if you're not ready for Ronda and Shayna to take those titles yet, this is the way you go because I think that's what we're going with. Hey, you know what? It, it's just you've got Queen of the Ring coming up. Um, you know, maybe you keep the. How long do you? How long does Lita stay around with these titles? That that's my only concern here. Yeah, I don't think on every week. You know, uh, how long does she last? You know, they, those titles could 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 be could be defended on Monday and Friday night and change hands. Uh, on Monday or Friday night, and we'd be okay with it. So this is a big match with bringing some names back that uh, that are in the hit record books. Zero problems with it. I just wish we, you know, if you can't have a title shot, then I'm okay with it because I love Trish. And then we already spoke about what happened in the main event. So that was Monday Night Raw. We head over to Roadblock for Tuesday in NXT. So on NXT, we opened up with a jailhouse street fight. <laughs> and Tony D picks up the win with uh, with Stax. Stax helping him out here. They beat Dijak, which I that was a little surprising. I was surprised. I was surprised. Yeah. Um, yeah, but it was, was it was a really good match. Um, and Dijak was going to win, but Stax, of course, helps him. And Tony D's pretty over right now. And I think the the Stax stuff is good. It's sort of like they got a really they got a, a fun dynamic. There's there's a family dynamic here, you know, that they have going, which which I like. And we've always been fans of Tony D. So hey. Not not a bad uh, opener on the show. It was a a good 12, uh, 13 minutes to start. Then had Roxanne Perez interviewed, and she's prepped for the biggest title defense she's going to have tonight against uh, Mako. So she's ready to rock. Uh, Just a look at Gallus walking backstage. Josh Briggs was talking to Kiana in the office. I got to say, man, (laughs) this storyline is Got me a little bit. It's very days of our lives. Like, we sort of know where they're going. But our guys, uh, Briggs and Jensen, Brooks and Dunn, they've come a long way. They're much better now in this type of setting. And I'm I'm slightly intrigued about where they're going. Uh, Kiana and Fallon are the tag team champs uh, for the women. I wonder if this is all a ploy to, like, to get the bar, you know, or whatever they were, like, initially. <laughs> yeah. So, you know what? This is fine for our guys. I, I kind of get a kick out of this stuff. Yeah, I do too. And, and, and now he's, uh, um, you know, he's going to get his heart broke. Probably, I, I think that what oh, yeah. we, we're, we're believing now, he's getting cheated on. I, I'm a, look, it's good fun. You know, it's nothing to take too serious. I'm okay with it. You know, I, I like. I'm look. You said it last week. Uh, 
Brooks and Jensen uh, came in, and w- this was like you talk about nails to a chalkboard. I, we didn't want anything to do with these guys. And look at them now; they've grown. They're pretty fun to 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 kind of follow around. They're good in the ring, and they definitely have some personality outside the ring. I like it. I really do. So we've like done a double turn in the tag division again. Like pretty deadly. Looked like they were yeah. baby faces for a while. Now they're sort of back as heels. Gallus is supposed to be the baby faces, and the crowd doesn't know what to think. No, no, and I don't either. Me neither. And, I and it, I don't like it. I, I think we we look around right now, and you can point to the Creeds. You can point to you know three or four other tag teams that are are pretty strong and maybe more over. And it was weird that they had the the New Day lose to Gallus. I just I, I thought that was a, a strange decision. Promo from Dragonoff talking about McDonough, which was um, these guys are good, man. Both Dragonoff and McDonough. That's going to be uh, yeah. an awesome, yeah, that's an be awesome fun. match. Really fun. And then they show Dragon Lee sitting in the crowd. A lot of people were thinking that Dragon Lee may be the guy that would wrestle for Shawn Michaels, but that was not the case. But Dragon Lee is someone who was a very, very hot re- like wrestler on the independent scene and someone who was like a big, big signing. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I, I'm with you. I, I thought all roads led to this HBK. It didn't. I'm anxious to see him get after it in the ring because there's a lot of talent in in NXT for him to work with. Um, let's get him in the ring, man. Let's uh, let's get him in the ring. This uh, this this guy is is everything. Uh, if you don't know anything about him, get ready because uh, he he can go. This is a really big signing for NXT. Braun Breaker, Creed, Julius, and Brutus versus Indus Sheer. Um, man, this was a blast. I, I yeah. really, I, I enjoyed this. Um, Braun and, and the Creed brothers just going nuts. That big 450 splash from Julius was awesome. Um, and I, I thought Indusheer still looked actually looked pretty good in this match yeah. too. Like those yeah. guys don't look like your normal big guys that can't move at all. They're fine in the ring and they have a good like imposing look. I think they could be a fun tag team on the main roster with Jinder there as like their their heel manager. Yeah, and and gender belongs. He he's too good to keep out of the ring. Um, yeah, if you, there's no spot for him on Monday or Fridays. This is this is a great place for him, and it works. The match was good. It was fun. It delivered, and we finally got to see who was next for Braun Breaker. And again, like I said last week, this felt a lot more likable situation for Braun Breaker. And I thought the same thing after the match too. And we had Shawn Michaels come out. I thought Grayson Waller was very good. Um, here and in this segment and Grayson Waller just continues to talk trash to Sean. He, you know, he went through, he talked about how Sean is treating him the same way that Vince treated Sean. And it was, it was good, like really good back and forth between them. And it set, um, Sean talks about how NXT was built on guys like Finn Balor, KO, Sami Zayn, DIY. And he goes through the list. He, um, Mentions, you know, Braun, Roxanne, Wesley, Creed Brothers, says Waller's just a part of it. Um, Waller just continues to talk about how he needs to be the guy. Um, I mean, it was it was good. Like, they went through a lot of a lot of stuff. It was a long segment for them back and forth. And it led to Shawn Michaels saying, you get to have a match at Stand and Deliver with Johnny Gargano. And Johnny came out. <laughs> big pop for Johnny. And and you know what? He's on Raw. He's been given more on Raw recently, so I think he's looked good. And while he doesn't really have something set up for Mania, this is 
a fun, good match for him for Mania weekend. And this could maybe even lead to him and Grayson Waller feuding more on the main roster. Look, man, this is uh, Grayson Waller um, is is doing phenomenal work. Um, he is. His, his mic work, I, I'm just, man, this is, you know, somebody compared this to an older feud. Um, uh, I, I can't remember the exact tweet, so I don't want to quote it. But uh, it's going to be an interesting match in NXT with these two. Does main roster Johnny go over? Um, does he kind of, does this lead to a, a few, you know, Grayson's, Grayson's been in the title picture. This is a guy that doesn't need a title. Uh, this is a guy you, you talk about Hills needed on the main roster. Somebody like him. Perfect. I, he just is. The match is going to be phenomenal. His mic work is even better. This is a guy that needs a lot of TV time and kudos to, to Grayson Waller, because, uh, this guy is fantastic on the mic, man. I mean, some of the lines, what do you say, you, you know, HBK, you, you're, you're over NXT because uh, Triple H, uh, you were one heartbeat away from, from not being over NXT. He just has some great lines. He just, he's phenomenal, man. He does phenomenal work. He was talking about Bret Hart, too, oh, yeah. you know, yeah. which was great. And it was, it was really good stuff from Waller. Uh, shout out there. I did not like what they did with Gigi and JC here. This was uh, interesting, I, right? They go it was from a the weird decision to the to the a barber shop, right? Yeah, yeah. Was, the old barber shop. Uh, what was it? HBK. Uh, that's basically what it was. HBK. What it was. Yeah. And then we just go to an anticlimactic match that GG won, and it was like a roll up, crucifix pin, and then gets. Beat I will up say there the they didn't, and and for two girls that I think are both pretty good and that were a team for a while, they were. It was kind of clunky in the it ring. It was. It was. Like they didn't. It wasn't a great match um, with just the two of them. Now it doesn't feel like it's over because after the match, JC attacks, and so we'll get probably a stipulation match at Stand and Deliver. But I didn't even think they needed to do the match here. No, I think this could have been like another segment, or maybe Gigi was having a match with somebody else, and JC attacks uh, after the match and and does the beatdown because I don't. I'm not necessarily really excited for another match between the two of them because the first one was like, eh. You know, um, <laughs> but I think Gigi feels like she needs to be the one to be elevated coming out of this. She yes. just feels like she's the yeah. bigger star. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I, I just, again, you, you go from a hell of a segment where she gets turned on. She gets the super kick stiff to the face and no offense to the match, but you don't go from that to, okay, let's have a wrestling match, right? So this probably needed to be, DQ'd or held off until you can have some sort of stipulation type match um, for one, a, a gimmick match for one of them to win, which needed to be GG. But I, I don't think it did the storyline or either one of them any favors. So following this, we had uh, Braun Breaker and Carmelo set up the match that we've been waiting for. Here we go. Mello. He's good. This has got to be Mello's moment, right? It's this feels like it's the time for Mello to get the big win at stand yes. and deliver. Yeah. 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 I agree. This, this is uh this is really good. I like the way that Braun had a match earlier in the night. I do like this. It's kind of old school to me. The champion comes out, uh, does his part and here comes uh, Carmelo. Um, this is what you wanted for Braun breaker. You wanted this type of moment. Uh, as I mentioned before, uh, just moments ago, uh, Braun has been more likable over the, and relatable over the last he couple has. of weeks. 
Yep. And you have two guys that uh, that can go. Carmelo, I think it's going to elevate Braun's game. I would be shocked if Braun keeps this title after this because Braun's going to be a main roster guy before Carmelo. But you know what? If if Carmelo loses, I, I could see him going up to the roster. Boom, just like that. So I mean, it's either they're both ready. Yeah, whoever loses is going to go up. That's, yep. that's immediately. But this this is exciting. This is what I've been waiting for for a real good challenger like this for Braun Breaker. We had Tyler Bate backstage with Tia Hale doing some meditation. Um, <laughs> that that led to the match with uh, Chase and with Chase versus Joe Gacy. Joe Gacy picks up the win. I wonder where they're going with Chase U. Do we think we get like a Chase U versus Hudson match? A Ch- yeah. Andre Chase versus Hudson match for like for the for the ownership of Chase U School, something yeah, like that. It, it's it's got to be, and I, I think the, these guys have been doing pretty good comical work. Um, th- this match needs to be on the stand to deliver card. That they, they do deserve that, and I think it would be a good match. Yeah, Hudson, what finally broke down and said this is a joke. Chase U is a joke, so I could see a gimmick match stipulation for something like that. Yeah, maybe if Hudson wins, Chase U uh, has to turn in their credentials. They'll be a non-credited university, right? <laughs> or, or maybe they just forward. do the like. Man, they could very easily just win the tag team titles right now. You know sure. what I mean? Like they are the sure. team that would be fun to win the tag team titles and the crowd would really get into it. And then maybe you could tell the story after that with Chase and Duke splitting up. Um, yeah, I could go with that. Wesley uh, was interviewed and, and he said that next week, again, open challenge. So we'll have Johnny Gargano live an open challenge. Gallus defending the tag team titles against Pretty Deadly. Paulo Cruz versus Daba Kato. Then in the women's championship match, it was Roxanne, Roxanne versus Mako. Roxanne wins after a roll-up, 14 minutes. The match was really good. Mako was just crushing Roxanne throughout the match. And following the match, Roxanne collapses. And we know it was a storyline because the referees all come out and they're showing it. And they didn't, like, leave the, the TV right, right then at that point. But this is... Um, this is the angle that uh, 1995, Shawn Michaels. Yeah. Um, Owen Hart, um, he, he wrestled and he had the, and, and Shawn Michaels fainted and he collapsed. He had the concussion issues. And then Shawn Michaels ends up winning the Royal Rumble in 96, beating Bret Hart for the title at Mania 96. They, they tell that story as after this. So they even had Booker T come out to check on her. They said that she was going to be kept overnight in the hospital for continued testing um, what do you think about how they ended with that storyline? Man, I don't know. I'm kind of 50-50 here. I, I agree. Know? I don't I don't like these ones that much with the head no. injury things, no, like the faking I, I it. No, I don't. I, I and no offense to to Roxanne. I, I it wasn't a very super believable job anyway. You're asking a lot for somebody to fake something that's really serious. And I know it's pro wrestling and I'm not saying, "Oh, you're 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 being too, you know, too G rated here. I, I'm not, I just, you know, I, I, I didn't have a problem with it. I, I just didn't, I, it's just a hard sell for me. And, and I don't know what we're getting at. I know she took a lot of kicks to the head and that's what we, we were left with. Um, I, I just, I don't know what it does for Roxanne Perez going forward. Maybe this is the way uh, that they kind of keep the champion off for a couple of weeks. Why you would want to do that. I don't know. It didn't look like she was hurt. She had a, uh, yeah, it was a banger of a match. I just don't know what this does 
for the title picture with her. Me neither. Does this give a couple of weeks for her to have a number one contender? Well, because didn't Tiffany Stratton, we kind of thought it was going to be her getting yeah, a match. She, then, she, she already opened the show and it, with some kind of promo, and it really wasn't directed toward Roxanne Perez. So I, I'm kind of, uh, I, I don't know. I, I, this, it, it, was a, it was a weird ending to a very good match. I agree. I agree. So NXT, they're on the road to stand and deliver. But Coop, we are on the road to the NCAA tournament. Little March Madness uh, right now. The conference tournaments are going as you and I speak right now. Do you have any opinions in any of these conference tournaments that are you know underway and rolling? Man, I was looking at scores earlier today. There's already some upsets here. Baylor was knocked off earlier yeah. today. You know, I watched my Houston Cougars need a miracle to beat Memphis. You know, conference tournaments are just, uh, especially for teams that seem like they have a a top seed already hooked up. You don't I mean, know the motivation I, sometimes. It, it is, and it's tough, especially when you've, uh, you're you having to play the same team over and over again. You know what? I'm going to go to the Nerd League, the Smart People League, the Ivy League, Gino, for a Saturday afternoon matchup. Central time, it's it's 1230. In your neck of the woods, you'll, you'll still be eating your Captain Crunch when this game tips off. It's Penn and Princeton. They just played. Penn, uh, or excuse me, Princeton's going to be playing at home. They're hosting, okay? It's they're giving three and a half points. They just beat Pennsylvania by eight or nine points uh, last week. It was the final game of the regular season. Uh, they beat them earlier in the year by 12 or 13. I don't care that this spread is low, minus three and a half. I, I don't care if this game is a run back from last week. Princeton, baby. Princeton Tigers, minus three and a half. I'm going all in on the Ivy League on Saturday. Chad. I love this. He's going to run that Princeton <laughs> offense there. Chad yeah, Cooper. In the I love it. So, Coop, if you're up for it next week, we might record early on Wednesday, if that's okay with you. Let's do it. And, sure. and then we'll talk about a couple. Uh, you can give out a couple plays in the yeah. bracket that you like. Yeah. Um, because Thursday and Friday, I have to do a lot of um, I have to do shows Basketball. in the morning and I have to do a couple check ins sure. throughout the day. So what we'll do is next week, we'll do a lot more WWE stuff because we won't even have watched Dynamite at that point. So then the sure. week after we'll be able to catch back up because for a few weeks, a W doesn't really have anything big going. Um, yeah, it's right. going to be a while. Yeah, it's going to be a for while next before they get going again. Yeah, yeah. yeah so we'll, we'll be able to uh, focus heavy on WWE, uh, Raw, SmackDown, NXT next week. And then you can give out a couple plays in the bracket that you like. Coop, my man, thank you so much, buddy. And let's get Princeton home. I uh, hope you have a fantastic weekend. And, oh, man, it's fun. Sunday, was, uh, those, those brackets will be out Sunday. We'll already be filling those things out. I can't wait. I'm ready. I'm already looking for bracket busters right now, man. So you're so and because you're a fan of Houston, right? I'm a University of Houston guy. Yes, sir. Yeah. So it's it's always even more fun when your team is good with a legitimate chance and you've been paying attention to a good team throughout the year. Because for me, there are some years where USC is really bad. They're not even in the tournament and I'm not quite as into it, you know, but when my team is really good and you're watching them and they're going to make it. You're just paying attention to everything a little bit more. So you got to feel pretty, pretty excited about having a legitimate chance. You're one of the top five teams in the country. You know what? It's, uh, you know, University of Houston's basketball series hasn't been really taken seriously since probably the, you know, you know, you had the early 80s run with a, uh, with Hakeem and Clyde Drexler and Elvin Hayes. It was five slamma jamma. Then you, then you had a couple of good years when they were in the, the, the Big Eight, which is the old Southwest Conference, uh, uh, it, 
it just seemed to they went through several lame duck head coaches they, they were bounced out they didn't get brought into the big 12 they you know they went to conference usa they they bounced around a couple of conferences they really couldn't get a good head coach and then they took a chance on a guy that that everyone kind of threw away because he had a couple of situations in college and yeah. uh Jim Nance, who's the University of Houston graduate, said it best, and, and I wholeheartedly agree. Uh, Kevin Sa- Sampson has been the greatest thing to happen to the University of Houston athletic department. It just is. Now, there's been there's been some good football coaches who's resurrected the University of Football Houston program. There's been some good, really good football players over the last 15 to 20 years to help that University of Football program. But man, uh, to watch what Samson did and bring a team that was a laughing stock, if even conference UFA then, and uh, and and be able to recruit local guys, Houstonians, uh, kids from Dallas, kids from uh, you know San Antonio, Round Rock, these little schools, these little towns that they were going to Texas, they were going to Texas A&M, and over the last couple of years, they just slowly but surely we we get into the tournament, win a conference game or win a, the first round and losing the second round. Then after a couple of years, we get beat on a heartbreaker in the Sweet 16 to Michigan. And uh, last year, you know, I didn't think that was one of his better teams. And they make it to the Final Four and just ran into a buzzsaw on Baylor, who just crushed everybody. But uh, the way these guys play defense uh, and the that's way— what they, con- That's consistent, right? The, you know that you can—when you're not shooting, when you're not scoring, you know that your defense will always be there. That's what's nice about being, like, a really good defensive team. I just, I just, uh, I, I, you know, these conference tournaments, I, I'm ready to, to, you know, Houston was a ball, you know, a ball bouncing two away, losing the last couple of games. It seems like they, they start off slow in that first half, but they play better on the road. Um, the conference tournament's not in Houston. Uh, they play better. I think it's actually in Memphis again this year. But anyway, nonetheless, they play good defense. They're fun to watch and they're really well coached. And they have a lot of young players that come off the bench and do well. So hopefully they'll have a good run and maybe uh, NRG Stadium in Houston, Texas will have a hometown team. It'll be uh, be quite the uh, story if they make it that far. We'll talk more about them next week. Coop, thank you so much, buddy, for all your help again this week. Make sure to give Chad a follow at the Chad Cooper on Twitter and on Instagram. And we will talk more wrestling and college basketball with Chad next week. Don't go anywhere, folks. Still a lot more to come on this episode of That's What G Said. That's going to do it for this week. Big thank you to Koopa Loop for helping us out. So, yeah, next week we'll probably roll a little early with uh, a bracket and we'll have a little bracketology for you. Go through an entire look at the bracket and uh, we'll get into some racing, we'll get into some NBA, and we'll have all that great coverage of everything going on in the world of sports. But it'll be a bracket focus next week with March Madness and the bracket releases on Sunday. Thanks to Coop, thanks to Eric, and thanks to all of you for listening. Make sure to share the show around with your friends, and we'll talk to you again next week.